Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 584. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. So, Eagles or Chiefs on Sunday? I... Is that that's football, right? That's the uh, football. <laughs> you know what? You know what? We're gonna keep it moving. I'm on the I'm on the side of the the commercials. I have to work on Super Bowl Sunday. Trailers, trailers coming. Yup. Oh yeah, they're all they're all coming out. There's a whole bunch of them, and they're even moving the Last of Us, the fifth episode, to get out of the way of the Super Bowl. It's gonna I air saw on... that. I saw yeah. that. It's gonna air on Friday instead of Sunday. So mark your calendars accordingly. That show is hot. Joey Braccino is here. Hey. Wow. <laughs> I have a comma between your name for some stupid reason, so you are Joey and Braccino tonight. Uh, Aaron Amos is here. Sports ball. Yes. Um, what are the teams again? Philadelphia oh, Eagles, Kansas Eagles City Chiefs. Who do you want to win, Bob? Who's your team? Eagles. The Eagles are closer. Eagles are closer. I just want to see a good game. I, I have no bit. A lot of New York Giants fans, which I am. My dad was a season ticket holder back in the 50s and so on and so forth. Hate the Eagles. I don't hate the Eagles. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. Just saying. So if the Eagles win, great. If the Chiefs win, Patrick Mahomes, whose dad used to play for the Mets, that's great too. I just want it to be a game. I don't want it to be over at halftime and I'm just eating between commercials. Mm. You know who He's else hates the down. Eagles? He's is uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Big Lebowski hates the the Eagles. But I want to know if our very special guest, Ooh. also with us this episode, is no angel and blacksmith writer Eric Palicki is here. Are you for or against the Eagles? I will be rooting for the team with the least problematic name. Thank so, you. Go Birds. <laughs> go Birds. Fly, I Eagles, was, fly. I was shocked that they're still called the Chiefs. And they this still do the year of our Lord 2023. We just got the Washington team. Uh, and I call it the Washington team still to be called the Commanders. Like, what was it, like 30 minutes ago? It's, it's, it's problematic. <laughs> yeah. You know, talking about the mascot and the name is totally jogging my memory that I think it was last week I saw that they were still using their mascot logo. Yeah. And I, I looked up the brawn one and I went, really? She goes, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah. Get it together. Come on. Anyway, yeah, sorry sorry to derail the comics talk. No, that's <laughs> okay. No, look, here, here on Long Island, they passed 
laws that the school board, or regulations, I should say, that the various school teams have to divest themselves of all those sort of names? I mean, again, it's the year of our Lord 2023, like you would think. Yeah. You would think. Of course, anyway. there are still people who want to argue the other side and say, well, what about the Yankees? What about the Padres? What about the Pirates? I mean, I don't think there are any Pirates complaining at this point, okay? Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> what it would be the slander. <laughs> oh, Eric, aren't you glad you chose this week to come onto the show? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. You have a Kickstarter that is already successfully funded a an incredible amount over your uh, proposed uh, amount of money that you wanted for. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, it was a, a, a small Kickstarter to reprint my first ever graphic novel, uh, Orphans, which I originally published in 2013. Uh, it's kind of a, a warts and all look at where I was as a writer a decade ago. But uh, before I put the book on the shelf forever, I wanted to, to put it out in the world one more time. So uh, I'm really just thrilled that the Kickstarter has has taken off like it has. And, uh, you know, we're really close as of this recording to hitting our last stretch goal, which is to make the book a hardcover. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, We will talk a little bit more about orphans and other things, comics with uh, Eric a little bit later. But in the meantime, we have a lot going on this episode. Friends. Uh, I'm exhausted. I've been packing my house for the last couple of weeks, but feels like forever. I'm happy to be here, happy to be taking a break. And uh, we're going to get into some lightning rounds. We're going to do a little bit of news, a couple of cool stories floating around out there. And is it next week, I think, that uh, Ant-Man comes out? Yeah, man, next Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, oof. Did you see that? All right. Do any of you go to AMC theaters? Hell yeah, I go to AMC theaters. I'm, I'm not sitting in premium A-list seats. Member, baby. We come to this place. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Let me. Did you see the news this morning, then, Joey? No, I don't care. I'm an A-list I, member. I, I paid nothing for every ticket. Oh. That's right. I so. I saw it, Steve, and I'm I don't I won't participate. I will right? go to my local little theater and pay their seven dollars. Yes. This is great radio. How about we share? Okay, is, it like, there is, is it like scaffold pricing based on where yes, you are? Yes, the there space? is going yep. to be. They're going to have a three-tiered system now. They're doing like concert seating in AMC <laughs> theaters, in select AMC theaters now in three different venues um, in New York and Kansas. And I can't Jeez. remember what the third one is. But they by the end of the year, they will have three tiers of seating and you will pay according to the tier of seating that you either choose or in some cases get stuck with. And so if you are a uh, member of the club, you may also have to uh, in some way or form pony up for a uh, Not... big AMC <clears throat> theatres. Okay. Look, man, I already pay for the theater. <laughs> and that's been scaffold seatings forever. Let me ask you this, and then we're oh, going to no, get no, started. No, bro. AMC's Stubbs A-list members uh, can access preferred seating at no extra charge. Bazinga. <laughs> it's all a scam to sell that membership. Yes, it is. 
I gotta say, I don't want to like you know hype it up, but like as someone who goes to the movies often, having that kind of subscription service makes sense. I go Did you to see IMAX. Avatar? No, I didn't see Avatar. You think I'm gonna spend three hours in that movie theater seeing Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> three plus. Oh boy, what do you? Oh, this is the last question, and then we're gonna get into some comics. I swear. You go to Broadway a lot, mm-hmm. or you go and you you go to theaters a lot, and you see live shows. Yeah, um, I'm always checking out yours and Emily's Instagram and seeing your your playbills and your ticket stubs and your whatnots. Are you part of some kind of program or do you have privilege to get into certain theaters through work? No comment. All right. <laughs> no, that's a fair. Oh, no, look, look, he's got a guy. The theater. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is very, very expensive if you pay full price for tickets. Oh, and there are myriad ways to get discount tickets to shows like, like actual like things that you can do, whether you can be like, you know, a subscriber to something or like various, like, you know, today ticks, you get um, discount tickets and like TDF as a teacher, I get a membership to that. So like there's ways to get discount tickets to theater all the time. Um, you could even go to the box office and get standing room tickets sure. for super cheap as well. Is the tickets the thing still open in Times Square? You know, the yeah, whole TDF, TDF, bleachers, TDF, whatever. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just Aaron does it. that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you pay outright for Broadway tickets, yeah, you're paying over 100 bucks a seat for like back, back row. And I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> Especially given how you, often we go. I'm picturing you in Crime Alley purchasing... Oh tickets oh, for yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Joey Chill. I'm Joe Chill. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing outside. I, uh, you, I got orchestra or mezzanine. <laughs> so whose pearls are those? I don't <laughs> My best friend lives in Hell's Kitchen, so he just trolls StubHub. And oh, yeah. Yeah, he can make it to the theater in 10 minutes on foot if he has to. So he just waits till that last minute when someone gets really desperate to sell their ticket and they let it go for for yeah. 25 bucks or whatever nice. and then hoofs nice. it to the theater very I, nice we've paid full price before for like shows that we know are going to be impossible to get tickets for like for example like last month we saw the merrily we roll along revival that had jonathan groff and daniel radcliffe in it wow. mm-hmm. and uh, we knew that those tickets were going to disappear so we paid full price for those but again like that's a downtown show that's like a hundred bucks you know like to pay like full price Broadway tickets. I think I've only done that once and it was for Hamilton, like when it came out, like, cause I knew that that was going to sell. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, we don't do that. We go too often. We, it would be unsustainable to do that. Emily has a, uh, um, she calls it a uh, delusion, delusional goal, like a de- delusional resolution for the year. And it's to see a hundred live performances. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, you yeah, throw yeah. concerts into that too, maybe? She, anything, anything live, she's counting. So like okay. this weekend is like the middle school musical at our school. She's counting. <laughs> that you know? A poetry uh, reading with wine and yeah, cheese would count. Yeah, Come on, kids, help yeah. me pad the numbers. <laughs> pad the numbers, you know? Uh, like the school concert counts. But, you know, we... We got um we got uh tick, cheap tickets to go see WWE Raw next week. Whoa, uh, there you go. By the way, I'm not going to be on the podcast next week. But anyway, we got tickets <laughs> to see WWE Raw, and she was like, "Does this count?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah! It's like the most theatrical thing you could go to. Wrestling, yeah. get out of here!" <laughs> Amazing. What a life. What a time. Yolo, bro. <laughs> All right. Let's do some lightning rounds. <laughs> 
Bob, why don't you kick it off this week? Oh. Um, my first item was going to be a tease as i had just begun to read this thing but i was so engaged i went straight through to the finish in a flash i've been faster through it but weren't taking notes so here's the deal i don't read many prose novels these days in fact the last couple were dracula two halloweens ago and alex segura's secret identity novel that winter thanks sarah for that one However, thanks to my friend and Talking Comics guest host, Nikki Torres, I've read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabriel Zevin. Nikki said that even with a foreign subject matter, I would love it as she did, and she was more than right. From the blurb, two friends, often in love but never lovers, come together as creative partners in the world of video game design, where success brings them fame, joy, tragedy, duplicity, and ultimately a kind of immortality and all that hardly captures it. Cool. Our heroes are Sam Mazur and Sadie Green, friends since childhood, and it spans 30 years of that relationship with perfectly utilized time slips that bring to light elements of cultural identity and appropriation, gender, love the need to love, identity, toxic masculinity, disability. What more can be in, can be in one book? What could I have wanted from a novel, right? Except all those things. Oh and my quick God. aside, uh, this novel is the topic of a book club that Nikki will be hosting this Thursday at 6 p.m., February 9th, and that's at Three's Brewing in Huntington, New York. So if you have read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow or have been hooked by my spiel just now, uh, all are welcome. Just call ahead and I will be there. On to <laughs> comics. Bloodline, Daughter Blade Number 1, Danny Lore, Karen S. Darbo, Chris Peter, and Joe Sabino. Nice introductory chapter as we meet high schooler Brielle and her mom Saffron as they work through some issues, not the least of which is that Atlanta is crawling with vampires. And Brie is, well, her new after-school activity is killing them. So that's, that's pretty cool. First issue, very much slice of life, and that these characters just, just they just grew for me all the way through. Uh, much much helped by an artwork that was, I don't know, kind of a manga horror vein. Sorry. It's awesome. For a really it looks terrible real joke. good. Yes. Uh, finally, Scarlet Witch number two, Steve Orlando, Sarah Pacelli. Uh, oh, I've got too many names here because we have too many stories. Elizabeth D'Amico, Matthew Wilson, and Corey Pettit. And I am loving this so far. This issue, Wanda has a reunion with her stepdaughter, I guess you call her, Viv Vision who's troubled by terrible nightmares and has come through the last door seeking answers. That quest takes them into the dream dimension of live world and an encounter with the dream queen, the daughter of nightmare. Wanda is something special in that face off as she's been in general through this first two stories. And what can you say about Sarah Pacelli and Elizabeth D'Amico's art? My stars and garters as the beast used to say. Ooh. Also a fun backup starring storm by Stephanie Williams and Chris Allen, too. That's it for me. Shows a damn. Shows a damn, indeed. So your your list of uh, undesirables from the, the novel that you read reminded me of like a concert lineup of misogyny and, you know, all your favorite bands. 
Uh, th- there's there's much good in there too, but you need to explore some of the darkness to get to the light, right? Yeah, was, was this the uh, this is the the Gabrielle Zevin book? Yep. Oh, dude, I've seen that cover everywhere, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. That cover plays a big part in the story. Yeah, yeah. I saw it's the title, a- and I was like Macbeth, but I don't know. Uh, that's part of the story too. Mm-hmm, it goes mm-hmm. everywhere. I again, I figured I was going to read it across three or four days, a little bit of time, because I wanted to take notes, and I was so captivated. Look, I was weeping on page 57. Mm, damn. Yeah. All right, I'll check it out. It's a goodie. Uh, what else do I got for you here? I checked out uh, Blade. The um, Oh, yeah, you did. The Blade Rules. It was good. It was really good. I think... Um, Some motherfuckers always skiing uphill. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I did enjoy it. I think I need to read it again only because I don't know what I thought this book was going to be, but it ended up not being the book that I thought I was going to get, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but I really, really loved the artwork. I thought the, the style of it was great. I loved the color work in here. And um, it reminded me of like a like a almost a Buffy pilot episode type yeah. thing. Um, do you, go ahead, Bob. Do you remember? Because this character has been teased for a very long time. Yes, I remember. There was a New York Comic Con what three years ago where they announced yeah. this. Did they? They? I think Danny Lord did a one shot with this character previously. I can't remember when or where. Maybe one of the voices issues or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I was into it. I dug the art too. And when that that new character showed up at school, I was like, nope. Nope. I know where this is going. Yeah. And it did. Are we supposed to know her? No, but like okay. the second that that character rolled in, I was like, I know what's about to happen. And uh, then it did. And I was like, you know what? I should write this book. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I I was I was eager to see how they would um, like build out the world around the main character without relying too heavily on Blade himself, um, and I like I like the kind of expansion of that uh, well bloodline as it were. Um, so go. yeah, I'm I'm eager to see how it goes. The vampires even had like a like a Buffy-esque kind of design to them mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah, totally. Well, there's that page. It's a, it's a full page. She shows up at the, at the vampire's lair, that, that house. Mm-hmm. And she's just from school. So backpack and lacrosse stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a great I'm on time. that page right now. That's awesome. It definitely gave me Buffy vibes right down to the relationship between Brielle and, and her mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I also... Uh, Doug the art. I'm a big Buffy fan, so Buffy in the Marvel Universe sounds great to me. I think mm-hmm. my favorite, I don't know how spoilery we get, but there's a scene where uh, there's a vampire gets staked and the remark that, hey, they're supposed to turn into dust, aren't they? <laughs> now he's doing the movies. was a really great, uh, really great kind of touch. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going through some of these fight pages and I just noticed something in the background that I didn't catch the first time. It's pretty great. Um, Joey, what else? Uh, you read Scarlet Witch, right? Oh, yeah. I Let me say this, Bob, and I want to get your take. <laughs> Do you trust Darcy? 
Or are you getting vibes? No, I trust Darcy. Oh, no, no, no. I was reading this issue and she was like, she, uh, you know, Wanda and, and Viv like go, um, they go under the dream sequence mm-hmm. and Darcy's like, yeah, I'll watch the register. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, oh no, you're doing something over here. I think I'm throwing a wild prediction here. I think she's going to be Harkness. Get ready. Big twist. Hmm. See, I read that whole scene wrong or differently. I just read it. Her being sarcastic. Yeah. yeah, no, I. it's probably what it is, but I like a conspiracy theory. So I okay. think what's happening is Dar- – and Darcy, you know, she's like kind of like sweeping in the back of every panel. She's kind of like creeping the whole time, and I'm like mm. – and then at the end of the book, they're like, well, we won't talk about what brought you through you the last she door. She came through the last door too. And I was like, you better watch Weeks out. Ago. I don't trust this girl. Yeah, exactly. So uh, here's what I'll say about uh, Scarlet Witch. I love the artwork, obviously. It's like, and I, I posted the chat too, like unprompted. I was like, damn, why does this art so good? Um, I wanted, I like the Dream Queen stuff. I thought it was fun, but I did feel like it pulled me away from the thing that got me excited about this issue, which was Wanda and, and Viv Vision kind of interacting. And it kind of was just like Wanda saving the day. There were some great moments at the really end of the issue between the two of them, but I kind of wanted more. And I almost kind of wish this whole issue was just about them them chatting, chatting, just them chatting over tea out of skulls, you know, but I understand why not, especially because it feels like uh, um, Orlando's doing kind of like a series of one and dones with this first arc, which is a pretty classic kind of approach to a a new series. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would have loved to see that continue a little bit because it is such a sh- like the, the 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 Viv character over in Champions has become so complicated and so wonderful. And uh, I would have loved to see that baggage get unpacked just a little bit more. Um, it happens right at the beginning, right at the end. And then it's like, all right, let's go fight the, the, the big bad of the week. And uh, and then we'll move on. Speaking of baggage, Lorna is next issue. Well, yeah, that also, I was like, okay, like, who's the next person? Like, I got to the end of the issue, and I was like, all right, who's the next person that's going to, like, make me come back for issue three? And it was Lorna Dane, and I was like, all right, let's go. Um, I got to say that I still view Wanda as the pretender uh, who said no more mutants. So it's it, there is this cognitive dissonance reading the Scarlet Witch miniseries, or sorry, uh, Scarlet Witch series, Um and I still, I still can't shake a certain oddness to the dialogue and oddness to the writing that, that sometimes um, kind of it's hard for me to like latch on to a little bit. But really the artwork and these cliffhangers are going to keep, keep me coming back for more because uh, it is a really great book. Well, this had me rewatching the entire WandaVision. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, okay, really, really cool. And on that front, did anyone read, not in my, my list here, Midnight Suns number five? No. no. Well, it's the whole big battle. It's all the mystic people, Niku and Ilanya, whatever. And Agatha's been part of it. She she oh. gets, you know, Agatha finds herself dead. But she's a witch, so she's not really dead. And final page reveal with a the end and lots of question marks. We have an Agatha Harkness that looks like Catherine Hahn. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, and then she 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 trips face forward through the last door and ends up becoming Darcy. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. 
I read Scarlet Witch and I actually, I started the issue really enjoying it, but then when that story came to an end, I felt like it was rushed. And then I know, you know, yeah. I wanted to enjoy the, the backup. Um, I just wanted more meat in the, in that Viv story. I will say I, <laughs> I love how Wanda kept trying to make them relate it. And Viv was like, no, you can keep saying it, but we're not related. I, <laughs> I, I know you're trying to make yourself feel better somehow, but we're not related. So let it go. <laughs> so she just kept shutting her down. I love yeah. that because, you know, Wanda likes to, <laughs> you know, create her little fake family and, you know, in realities. Well, he did this. He did that. And he used my, you know, use my memories or whatever to create your mom. And she's just like, nope, we're still not related. And you can stop calling her your sister. <laughs> it's like, but I do need your help. So help me out. Um, it did make Damn. me want to go back and read um, more of uh, Viv. Because, you know, I never read that Vision series. So it did make me want to go back and read oh. that some more. Um, but then I felt like. To your point, Joey, the pretender thing, the little backup story with, you know, my girl. Oh, I um, didn't like it. I uh, I didn't understand it. It rubbed me wrong. It started off fine. Um, I, uh, I will say the one line that Storm said that I really appreciate it was, it almost makes me feel bad for voting not to resurrect you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. okay, that was funny. <laughs> I, was like, I do Shade. like the... I like the elevation of Storm, especially through X Men Red and through this. Oh, she is the through, shit right now. She's so she's amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, but and I and this I don't mean to take this away from Wanda because I actually think it's one of the things that makes Wanda interesting in the in the Marvel universe is like that tension with the mutants and the X Men. Mm -hmm. I think is one of the things that makes her interesting now. Yes, and I think it's a motivator. Not necessarily like resolved here, but like to have it kind of just rushed aside, even after like the trial of Magneto and like the the purgatory thing that she set up, um, which I don't remember where that is in the books. Mm. But anyway, like I, I just I still don't I don't like like it's all hunky dory now, and because I, I think it I, I think it actually detracts from both sides yeah. of the, the the conflict and the tension there. Um, I would love to see that team up, but with that tension still there, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I love Wanda being like Storm. You have this, you have this power within you, and you have this connection. Like I love that too. Like I love the fact that like mutants aren't just like you know uh, superpowers anymore. They have this connection to each other, and they have this connection to you know something much larger than that. Um, but yeah, I, I do wish that that wasn't so easily kind of brushed away. Just like I also do, I also wish that like like that. Remember when um, Marvel didn't own the X-Men? So they were like, no, Wanda and Pietro are mutates. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Like, that was mm -hmm. a crazy thing that happened. Like, I wish that that had just, like, if you want to get rid of anything, get rid of that. Because that's, I, I never really. I honestly don't know. What are they now? I honestly don't. Last, was it, is it the highly evolutionary? I don't know. What, what, I can't remember anymore. Last I remember is that they were no longer Magneto's children. I got that, yeah. Um, and they were not mutants. That's what I remember. I thought last I read it was they were creations of the high evolutionary and blah, blah, blah. But they were supposed to be like failed creations that, you know, didn't meet up to his his standards. And so they were cast out somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was a yeah. while back. So could we go all the way back to them being the children of Miss America and the wizard? You could do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
But then didn't Wanda find in the Robinson book, didn't Wanda find her mother? Yes. Like in the, in and the her mother was marching along the path with her. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's apparently a lot of Wanda. But that was Marvel now. That may not count anymore. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yes. Is there anything else currently happening with the vision in another series? Uh, Champions isn't running, so I don't think so. Mm, Didn't she flip out in the last uh, arc with Champions? Huh? Didn't she flip out on them in the last? Well, not flip out, but she she dropped. Yeah, them down something. On them. Yeah, things went awry. She ratted the on them, right? That she was called, a long. She time called ago. the cops on them. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Yeah, oh. that was a couple of volumes ago. Champions ruled like i love that book i love that book when i think mark wade started it when eve ewing took over when danny lore was doing it like i love that book um and i do miss it and i and when i that's one of the reasons why i really was eager to read scarlet witch too because because seeing viv show up uh was amazing so i i'm i don't know i i'm eager to see where she ends up I'm really glad that those champions characters do pop up periodically because I think that they like the young Avengers. I think they do have a, a, a legs in terms of, of their impact. Right on. Who was the champions? Who was the last team? It was Kamala. It was Kamala yeah. miles. It was, it was the, it was the same team. Um, uh, Riri Viv. And then there Isn't was Nova like that, in there. Yeah. There's uh, Sam Alexander, Nova, the, the young one. And then there was the snowbird, snow something, uh, the Inuit um, character who they 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 saved, they rescued, saved, recruited up in uh, um, Canada, and then uh, the Falcon, Joaquin Torres, I think, was on it for a little while. Oh yeah, there's like it really like there were like. 14 15 characters for a while in that in that squad wasn't uh simone de mayo on that for a, a little, little bit, bit yeah yeah oh i remember that those were good times what's that character's name i'm gonna look him up all right while you look it up we are gonna move on to another lightning round and i think we're gonna let our guest Ooh. do a lightning round instead of making you wait till the end you ready are you ready to go I am as ready as I'm going to be, I suppose. All right. <laughs> All right. So I have been uh, binging a lot because thanks to the Talking Comics crew, I have downloaded and allowed myself to be absorbed by the DC Universe Ultra Super Double Plus. Nice. Catching on. Hell yeah. Mega, <laughs> mega hap. Uh, and in the in the past month, I have caught up on... Uh, action comics, as well as the uh, uh, the controversial uh, Supergirl run by Bill Keesley <laughs> and, and Tom King. Uh, but uh, today I wanted to talk about uh, a new image book that launched this week called Blood Tree from Pete Tomasi uh, as the writer, Maxime Simic as the illustrator, John Kalish on colors, and Rob Lee on letters. Detective Dario Azaro has just landed a new case from a seeming serial killer slash assisted suicide doctor in New York City. Uh, the victims are seemingly unrelated, uh, except for the fact that the bodies have both fallen from the sky at different venues across the city with artificial wings attached to their backs 
Uh, and uh, as the case intensifies, we also see uh, some interesting uh, potentially homicidal behaviors uh, manifesting in uh, Dario Azaro's son. So this this kind of, uh, I, I was drawn to it because uh, among the things I've read from DC recently have been the, the Super Sons book, which uh, was a fantastic book that Pete Tomasi wrote, uh, but mm-hmm. which uh, unfortunately we're not going to be able to return to because of, of Jonathan Kent's being aged up. Uh, right. Uh, not that Son of Kal-El isn't also a fantastic book. Uh, but, uh, and I'm, I'm pleased to see that Tomasi is kind of returning to uh, writing a compelling and complex youthful character in Detective Azaro's son here. Uh, and the mystery definitely opens up a lot of questions moving forward. I'm excited to see where it goes. Can you give me the name of that one one more time? It's called Blood Tree. Okay, I want to look this up while you're... Yeah. Continuing on here. Yeah. And then the second thing that I wanted to talk about, and, you know, I went on Webtoon and I was all prepared to talk uh, talk up a Webtoon and then Chris isn't on the episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I caught up on uh, Urban Animal from Justin Jordan with illustrations by John Amore and letters by Micah Myers, uh, which tells the story of Joe Gomez, a uh, high school teenager who is just coming into his own uh, in school. He's got the uh, eye of the opposite sex. He's got uh, a cool band. He's getting good grades. And all of a sudden, uh, he is approached by a humanoid rat who reveals to Joe (laughs) that he is actually part of an ancient shape-shifting race called the Chimera. And uh, Joe is going to have to make a decision as to whether he is going to uh, join the Chimera, who generally feel that they are superior to humanity, or whether he will become uh, humanity's savior. Uh, no pressure. No, it's a fantastic coming-of-age story, very reminiscent of early Ultimate Spider-Man, both the Peter Parker and Miles Morales uh, iterations, as well as you know the original uh, early 60s Amazing Spider-Mans, where, where Peter was still dealing with with his powers manifesting for the first time huh i'm looking at this now have you ever seen the anime beck about the the band that gets together and they're all friends and all that stuff never heard i of have that. Not. No. no damn it this beck reminds beck? me a lot of that beck beck like the no beck? Be- not not the not the loser turned folk singer guy with the hats um wow. Damn, Beck is be Beck is a solid uh, solid anime. Uh, I can't remember if it's a series. I think it's a series. Uh, go and check it out. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I looked at look. I brought it up on my screen, and immediately I was like, "This reminds me of Beck." But since I'm the only one that saw it, this is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> beyond that, that other that blood tree sounds awesome. I. Uh, I'm a fan of Mr. Tomasi's. Yeah. Haven't seen a lot sure. of him lately. Uh, maybe I haven't. Maybe I didn't even know this was scene. coming out. He's been he's been like off and on on some DC stuff lately and some some independent stuff too. But glad to hear he's doing something over an image. That book sounds crazy. Like I still here. love his Superman run. Put in the chat. Check that out. Yeah, Looks something neat. that's uh, 
something that I found in reading things off of the the DC uh, U and uh, Marvel Unlimited apps is that single issues now feel so slight to me mm-hmm. that uh, I'm really struggling when I buy issues or read issues month to month. They're over much too quickly. Oh, uh, dude. It's... <laughs> So it, I grabbed this because I'm a big Tomasi fan and I wanted something from last week to be able to talk about on the show. Uh, and I'm really glad I did. I will definitely follow up with this, but it's one of those things where I will probably save the next half dozen or so issues so I can binge through the whole series. It's really changed like how I read comics to a T. Like I, I don't single issue much of Uh-oh. anything anymore. What's up? You know? No, I was waiting for him to trigger because he doesn't have a comic shop anymore. Well, look, I wasn't going to say it, but, um, but no, really, like I, I was, I, you know, last time, last week I talked about all of AXE Judgment Day, like beginning to end and all of the tie-ins. And I was able to read that on the app, like over the course of a couple of weeks. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine doing that week Mm. to week or at least week to week it at that scale. Like, I, I wouldn't have read as many of the tie-ins or I wouldn't have read as much of the kind of surrounding material. I might have only picked up the main issues. Um, but, yeah, between DC Universe Unlimited uh, and Marvel Unlimited, like, it's so easy now to just, like you said, binge series at a time. Um, the Action Comics you were talking about, was the is that the Philip Kennedy Johnson one? Yes. Is it as amazing as people say? I... I really enjoyed it. I am, I am not historically a Superman fan. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, I mean, I was, I went through my, my phase in, in, uh, in high school where I, I dressed in black and wrote poetry about girls that wouldn't give me any attention. And was really into <laughs> Batman at that point in my life. But now that I'm a little older and I, I, you know, I see the world very differently and I, I really appreciate the hopefulness that Superman embodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did pick this up because uh, uh, PKJ randomly started following me on Twitter. So I felt the need to support his books. And <laughs> so I read through this and I was just blown away. Uh, it's got a very, uh, it's got a very different feel with the, yeah. the, with all the war world stuff and being off world and, and the authority, which Grant Morrison had introduced Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and, and yeah, I, I give it a pretty, pretty high marks and, uh, he's now past the, the war world stuff and we're into this big, the start of this big Metallo story mm-hmm. and his, yeah. his, he's writing Metallo with a really cool, like reluctant villain kind of complexity that cool. I haven't seen from that character before. Yeah. It was just, it was showing up on everybody's like end of year lists. And I was like, damn, like, cause I, I, I read Superman, son of Kal-El and Supergirl woman of tomorrow, the much beloved book on this podcast. Um, <laughs> well, Bob's, and, uh, well, Bob's back. So we can, we have to <laughs> um, and, and action comics was the one that just kind of slipped to the wayside yeah. when Bendis was doing it. I was reading all of action and all of Superman. Like, you know, I, I caught up on both of those and I loved it. I loved the identity reveal. I loved the, the differences between the two books. Um, but then when I had to, I didn't have to choose, but I, I ended up choosing the, the son of Kal-El route and loving it. But I, I do want to go back and read that starting with the war world stuff, because like you said, and it feels like everybody's saying, like, it seems like a really amazing Superman story, Clark story. 
Was that right out of the Superman and the Authority? Was it little little uh, mini that that Morrison was that Morrison? Yeah, Morrison. I don't think it spins out of it directly. Well, I know that mini. Ha- Remember, I hate Reddit. Uh, yes. That mini happened. <laughs> Um, and then it was leading into so because we were basically getting the team together right. to do something. I, I thought it was going into that, or was I wrong? No, you're right. It's a very sort of the the the, the creative team kind of ties itself in knots to make those that's to sort of square that circle mm-hmm. uh, because obviously. I don't think Superman and the authority was ever written with the intention that that story would carry forward. Gotcha. Uh, but he does make it work. And those characters as written by Philip Kennedy Johnson are uh, continue to be really incredible, especially uh, he writes a great midnighter. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. reading a, a, a Philip Kennedy Johnson midnighter series or midnighter and Apollo series. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen to those characters now that War world's over. Mm-hmm. Weren't they the only authority once? Because if I remember correctly, I, I think everyone else was new characters. I don't think that they were initial. They were, uh, I think they were like Grant Morrison characters. Yeah. Well, there was, well, I mean, uh, new characters in that they weren't a part of the authority historically. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, there was an OMAC and, yeah. um, and a light ray, which um, a different light ray than I'm used to seeing. And the was Enchantress. Not Constantine, uh, or Constantine, sorry. Uh, Manchester Black. Oh, right, 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 right. right. There you have it. Eric, have you checked out either Chroma or Gospel from Image Comics? I have not. Are they... Should I? (laughs) Oh, I have no idea. I just... I Nobody's talked about them on the show yet, and I've been curious about them, and you seem to kind of pick from the pile a little bit, so I figured I would ask. I was poking through gospel, by the way. I haven't gotten to it yet, but go ahead. I I missed that. There was another number one this week that I really wanted to check out, but for time, uh, The Almighty, which is another. I try to grab number ones, at least from Image, uh, just because you never know what you'll find. And uh, they have a pretty good batting average when it comes to, to new series. I'm looking at Junk Rabbit number one. Junk Rabbit? <laughs> Junk Rabbit number one. Series premiere April 5th, 2023. A new hero rises from mountains of consumer waste, mass homelessness, and devastating climate change. Some call the hero a myth, an urban legend, but others know that it's the junk rat come to life. <laughs> dystopian tale about how climate disaster alters not only our world but also the heroes that literally rise from it swamp thing meets robocop yo (laughs) i'm in so this is the part where steve goes off on tangent (laughs) i'm up look i am on the image comics website (laughs) i am informing our listeners i am doing the work (laughs) (laughs) That's why they come He's here. Do, Look, I have to. Work. I have to make up for the banter and the terrible jokes that I tell that only I think are funny. Mm. I had a really great joke for Bob earlier, and then the moment passed, and I was really upset about it for like twenty minutes. Go for it. Commit. No, 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 no. Just we'll never know. Ahead. We'll never know what it was. It was hilarious. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving along. Thank you for bringing your books Thank to the you. show, Eric. Uh, I'm definitely going to check out that Tomasi 
book for sure. Uh, and you alerted me to Junk Rabbit, so your work your work is done here. And not for nothing, but uh, I have known Jimmy Robinson for a long time, and I am also looking forward to Junk Rabbit. See, thank you, Eric, for being with uh, me. The creator mm-hmm. of Bomb Queen, which is a very <laughs> excellent but very misunderstood satire that Image has published in the past. Oh, there also you go. My drag name. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Aaron, why don't you go next? All right. So theoretically, I have one book, but spiritually, I have nine. So I read uh, DC Power Celebration number one, because you know it's Black History Month and all. Um, and me being black, you know, it makes sense. So, what? Check. <laughs> so, you know, knock that off the list. So, I didn't know. <laughs> go figure. So um, there's about there's nine stories here. I, I will say this. Um, I love all the creators that are on the, on these books, but I will also say so much of what we just discussed about uh, Scarlet Witch. I think sometimes when you do anthologies, which this is, um, sometimes you don't get an opportunity to, I feel like, complete a story. So I have different vibes about some of the stories here. So I'm just going to sort of poke through some of them. Um, the first one was um, sort of goes uh, Amazing Man, Black Paradise. It goes by Evan Arcisi. It goes back to, um, what's the guy's name? Um, the American Amazing Way. Man. Thank you, Amazing Man. And it was it was part of a story. It was sort of part of a story that I think that aligned to American Way. It was something I remember I read on here a long time ago, and it talked a little bit about um, some things that were happening back in the day were black heroes and not supposed to. So I sort of called back to that. Um, it was, a, I, I really liked it. It was a good start. Um, I think it, it set a tone for me as I was going through this um, and gave me an idea of what uh, I thought the stories were going to be sort of gearing towards from a historical superhero perspective. You know, I've been really digging how John Ridley has been dealing with things and, and sort of, you know, building in reality into the superhero story. So I've sort of had a, a soft spot for that lately. So this kind of did it. I really liked the tone of this. I liked the question that it was asking. Um, I felt like the art was a little rushed, but I liked the question. I liked the question that it was asking. I enjoyed the story of it all, of sort of being a hero, being um, fighting for your country, fighting for your people, um, but never really being appreciated. And it really made me go back and think of, you know, what we've all been saying about the X-Men, you know, you know, fighting for people who have, you know, feared and hated you. Um, and it's kind of, you know, this is why we always say the X-Men are sort of an allegory for other things. Um, so that one, I, I, I thought it was a strong start. Then we went on to a Black Lightning story, separate, separate but equal, uh, Lamont McGee, um, brings in the daughters from their enlightening. Cute story. I liked, I liked them together. Again, but this is a scenario where I think the story was maybe too short, but it really talked about um, sort of prejudice against metas and, um, obviously, inserting metas for, you know, pick, pick out the group here. Um, a story about metas and, and basically keeping them in their place and, and separate but equal, blah, blah, blah. You know, putting them in, um, basically putting them in a single category, a single bucket of problematic, basically, because they are feared because of, you know, they obviously threaten the world order. If you're not the most powerful, then you're not going to be the most powerful in the, the food chain. You're not going to, you know, maintain that power for long. Then there's a good story, uh, Nubia and Bumblebee. I like the pairing of them together. I don't necessarily know if I feel like this story really mattered. Um, it was Nubia and Bumblebee with um, Mal 
Uh, it was called uh, The Queen to Be in the Symphony. And it was really just about um, the brain. And I can never remember the French the French gorilla's name, but so I'm not going to try. <laughs> but um, it was about them wanting to go see this concert and tickets being sold out. So they basically decided to kidnap everyone. I don't know what the theory of the story was supposed to be. Um, it didn't really make sense to me. So I sort of read it and was just like, hmm, okay. There was another Green Lantern story. I think the selling thing about this story was that Teen Lantern was in it. So I'm going to move on. That was about Brandon oh. Thomas. Um, it was called mm-hmm. Keeping the Peace. Um, then there was an interesting story between Aquaman and Kid Flash, Wally West, um, the African-American Wally West, which I thought I broke this story down into two pieces. This was by Dorado Quick and Jordan Clark. Um, it was called Own Your Name. I broke this down into two pieces. Obviously, the question when 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 this, when they sort of, I think this was around Rebirth, when they sort of merged universes and brought this Wally West into the larger universe. And so now there's two Wally Wests and one's black and one's white. Um, I always wondered how long term this was going to play out. And so I think he's sort of picking up, just sort of picking up where that, that, that question leads off. And, you know, he struggles with it because of some things, some machinations by a villain in the background. He struggles with it. He struggles with, with his identity, with his place in the, the family of speedsters, um, his place as a, a superhero of color and how he is, um, seen by and relates to other heroes of color and their experience. Now, obviously, um, like I said, there were villain, villainous machinations in the background that sort of pushed this to the extreme, but it asked some really interesting questions. The reason why I say this was broken into two parts is because the first part of the story was very heartfelt and everyone was just speaking very comic booky like English, uh, sort of just relating to each other, just normal English. And then every, once everything was settled, everyone got real street. Just really, really street. Just the language and the vibes started to change. I've never heard Aquaman speak that way before. And I was just, hmm, this is sort of really taking me out right now because I feel like I'm watching them make a TikTok video. But it sort of, <laughs> it it took me out for a second because it, it was a sharp turn. The next one, Booyah uh, by Morgan Hampton, Cyborg Story. I have to say i this makes me look forward to what's coming because i i i like that they are defining which victor this is i get the impression this victor is more like the victor in doom patrol um and he is because i think if i remember from the new 52 he was merged with a, um, a mother box if i remember correctly um but i think they're going back to the his father basically fixed him up after an accident um, I think there was more heart to this story um, and him sort of figuring out who he is and what, pers- what type of person he's going to be. So I'm curious to see if this fuels the story that's that's coming. Um, it didn't necessarily deal so much with his identity as an African-American hero, but rather his identity as a hero altogether, because his hero's journey was not one where he, you know, you know, received some power because of some falling into a vat of something or he was a meta or something like that. It was something that was thrust upon thrust upon him in a you know, post-tragedy. So his journey there was a little bit more difficult. So I got the impression that they're probably going to pursue that story a little bit, but I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to what we're going to see. Next, it just, the, the, the final three just got me all flustered. My pressure went up. Um, Uh-oh. We want to hear one, about it, this one. It, the next one, Vixen and Batwing by Chuck oh. Brown. That name should sound familiar to you, Steve. By Chuck Brown. I loved this. I'd love nothing more than the banter between those two. And I put it in our chat. Like I never knew I wanted this story that I wanted the two of them together. 
and whatever it is they're going to do, I want them to do it together and make it work. I loved it. I've always loved Vixen. We've been talking recently, even with our friend Carolyn on the show, about there not being a lot of Vixen content out there to really dive into. So anything that sort of opens up, you know, that door, I love. So I loved it. And I want this more and more and more. I keep refreshing Comixology. It's not there. The bastards, what's taking them so long? Anyway, <laughs> I want it now. Then we had Batman the Cavalry by John Ridley and Olivia Corpel. Ooh, completely. It's like an entirely penciled issue. It's there's no coloring. It's gorgeous. And that's the this was the story that had me asking all the questions about the Fox family and the Batman universe because I was just so confused. Didn't care. Did Fox it and was, Friends? Oh, that's sorry. It, something it, else. It, no, don't. Why are you trying to trigger me on Black History Month? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. What did I do to you? <laughs> anyway, anyway um, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous book, gorgeous way of, of writing that John Ridley has just he really just speaks to the reality of a character's experience, especially if they're a character of color. And it doesn't, doesn't just have to be an African-American person, but he really does speak to that diverse experience and brings it in and recognizes that even though it's comic books, no hero is going to be. Mono, no set of heroes or type of hero is going to be monolithic. It's I really like that. I, I and I like the banter between the two. I guess this was the younger sister Tam. I believe that's in there. I loved that banter. So this is another book that I may actually bring me back into the 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 Batman fold because I haven't read Batman since I think uh, Tom King traumatized him. John, <laughs> yeah, Tom King traumatized him. So um, last book. Almost brought a tear to my eye. Far Sector. Uh, what? Yes. It's, it's, yeah. It's basically... It's a reprint from It's a reprint five. of the origin story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a reprint of the still, origin story. Still. But still, it just... The way it was framed just really, really, really made me just miss that book. I just loved it. I just loved it. I loved it. It makes me want to go back and read the whole thing and... and and binging again but those last three i think are worth it i think it started and ended strong um i i do think some of the stories were rushed i kind of felt like some of the stories were filler stories um not to say i didn't appreciate it not to downplay any of the uh, work that the, the 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 writers you know provided but i really wish that some of these stories had had an opportunity to leave a consistent except it felt like some of those other stories were sort of cut off in the middle or just before it ended and you know just sort of to fit a page number size so that's my only thing like i said the art from vixen and batwing through far sector stellar obviously because you know jamal campbell uh for far sector but you know i i good effort i i, I liked what was teased in some of the stories because obviously some of these are going to be con- to be continued in dawn of dc um but that's my lightning round celebration number one. Oh, by the way this is on um DC Universe, Secret of the U's, I don't remember, but whatever it's called, <laughs> um, it's out there now. So you don't have to go and pay for it if you have that. Shows a damn. Shows a damn. Now, physically, is it available and at what cost? Yeah, probably, I think 10 bucks. Uh, for nine probably. stories, that's I a think, good deal. I think it's, it's, it's the same. It was $8.99. I think it was $8.99. Yeah, it's yeah. the same. It's funny because when I was on DC Unlimited um, Dances with Wolves, uh, I <laughs> I clicked on it and it opened up DC Pride. Um, 
Uh-huh. So I, they, they fixed Same. that bug, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So you had to like click on a, a different thing. Um, it was awesome that I got to read it, quote unquote, for free through the app. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's what whatever price point the other anthologies were that that DC's done, like yeah. the DC so Festival of Heroes, nine ninety nine. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, I I've I've spoken about a lot of these anthologies over the Marvel Voices stuff here, the DC Festival, the DC Pride, the DC this guy, the DC Power. Like, I always love them. I love them. I love them. But Aaron, to your point, they always tell stories about characters that I want more of. So, so right. you read them and you're like, God oh, damn it. This would be so good. Um, and it doesn't help that, or maybe it does help actually that m- most of the new content for this um, special is leading into the Dawn of DC yeah. um, books, uh, which is cool. Cause I, uh, Valentin Delandro is not going to be on that cyborg book though. And I'm upset because that Valentin Delandro art is amazing. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. uh, uh, and I love seeing Natasha Bustos. The Clay and Henry art is incredible uh, on that flash story. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Um, I too, when I got to the end of the book, I was like, John Ridley doing a Batman, like eight page story. What? How'd they get him to do this? And it's a reprint from like Batman black and white or something <laughs> from two years ago. And the same thing with far sector. I was like, Oh my God, they got him to come back and do another like uh, uh Joe story. Now it's a reprint from issue number five, but it's still amazing to see these characters uh, next to each other in this special. Yeah. Hey, and um, if it gets people to read the oh, originals, yeah. absolutely. Then go for absolutely. it because they're, they're great stories in both cases. I love I these just... specials. I think they're amazing. Really, really great stories throughout. Um, I mean, I guess I just, I like, I knew that I was going to want more. So I wasn't as yep. disappointed when I only got like an eight page story, which a lot of these specials often kind of rely on. Um, but the characters are amazing and they are deserving of, um, their own series and and so much more. And it's also awesome that like, it's it's a weird way to say this, but like they, DC was able to run this, this, this special, without relying on the milestone characters, you know, like they have enough of a stable built into their, their, their main DC universe to tell these stories, you know, Uh, because the milestone stuff is awesome as well. And we're getting new static this week, which I'm excited for. Yes. But um, they were able to tell this whole story without relying on like, Oh, it's black history month. Let's use our black universe. Like that. They didn't <laughs> have to do that. You know, they have these characters in the universe to use. It's a weird way to say that, but um, I hope that makes sense. Nice. Anyone else? Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Is bitter root over? Bitterroot's last volume ended with like 18, or I think, or something like that. And it just hasn't come back. I don't think it's over. That volume Hi- Hiatus, ended, maybe? That volume ended, I want to say, at the beginning of last year. Hold hmm. on. I'll look it up. Um, Aaron, I have added Flawed to my list of things to be read as soon as I have time to read. Oh, yeah. I... I... Because there were so many individual stories here, I didn't add it to my my lightning round. But yeah, I read it. It she went ham. Oh man, I gotta get caught up. That's only four issues, though. Yeah. 
Five. Oh, never mind. Oh, it's five. This is this last week is five. Oh. COVID, COVID messed me up. Bitterroot number 15 came out August 2021. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's been a while. But I, it didn't... I don't think it, it, it... I don't know. I don't recall I would love it, to see it, it. it being gone. In yeah. Being finale, so... They are releasing an omnibus... An omnibus of numbers <laughs> 1 through 15 and the Red Summer special um, at the end of this month, actually. Wow. Hmm. Synergy. Uh, You mentioned Valentine uh, Delandro before. Uh, He's doing the art currently on that Silver Surfer uh, ghost thing. Yeah. Delandro's art is amazing. Why is the name escaping me? Ghost Light, I think. I was going to say Silver Surfer Ghost Light. I'm getting it confused with the webtoon that Chris and Bronwyn always talk about, Ghost Lights. Um. Man, I gotta. I need to carve out some time to read. <laughs> it's been it's been bad. It's been a lot. All have right. They, have they ever announced a far sector omnibus with the extras? I want the DVD extras of that one. They did oh. a they did a full volume of the entire twelve issues. They did. Sure. Yeah. It's soft cover though. They it was, yeah, it was I, want, I want the oversized. I want to see the Jamal Campbell artwork. I yeah, want a hardcover collection of that book, but I want like a foil cover so that when you kind of move it around, it shimmers. <laughs> that's specific, but I like yeah, it. I was going to say, that's very specific. I have a, I have a <laughs> Lucifer Tor poster up yeah. in my office, and it, it does that exact thing uh-huh. that when you walk past it, it shimmers and shines. And like, Steve, uh, Steve has a type. Yeah, yeah, what if we had a Magic covers. Eye 3D poster <laughs> cover? No, I don't want that. No, no, no. That's too much work. Too much work. That book is just perfect. That book is absolutely perfect. It really did make me want to just go back and start from the beginning. Yeah. And just like, let's yeah. just do this all in one big run. And it looks so great. It looks it so great. So gorgeous. Just I remember gorgeous. when um, Joe showed up in, um, what's that book called? Dark Crisis <laughs> at the very end. <laughs> and uh, the artwork illustrated her in a very specific way. And I was like, Aaron's going to be disappointed. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and he was. And he I was. was. I could not hold back. I was like, yeah. nope. Yeah. <laughs> this is not her. If you want to know what she looks like, look at this woman with the hips and the nose and the hair. That's what she should look like. Uh-huh. Because that's what black people look like sometimes. It just is. We are not white people with dark ink. Now Ooh. remembering Rotten Apple from Sanford Green and Chuck Brown. That was good, too. That was a one shot. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. So go ahead. <laughs> wow that's it no introduction like, let's go all right joey it is your turn sir <laughs> excellent um everything that i read last week everybody already talked about except for one book um which was the ending to minor threats this was minor threats number four of four i've been talking about this one a lot over the last few months uh this is the book from Patton oswalt jordan blum with art by scott hepburn and ian herring uh minor threats the premise again were these like d through z list super vil- not even super villains d through c- z list like bank robber villains of old um who have kind of been overshadowed by these like crazy psychotic super villains um they end up being wrapped up in this big conflict when the stick man finally uh 
you know, crowbars the the Batman Corollary's um, uh, sidekick, and John didn't even have to call in to make this one happen, you know. Um, <laughs> but here we are with issue number four, uh, and I'll just read from the the solicit here because I think it captures everything really well. Betrayed by one of their own, and at the mercy of the maniac they set out to kill, <laughs> the minor threats are sent on a suicide mission by the sick man into the inner sanctum of the insomniac. See which of our cast of C-list costume criminals make it out alive. Hint, not a lot of them. As the most dangerous night of their lives comes to a nail-biting conclusion. Hmm. Look, I've loved loved this book from the the very, very first issue. Um, Each of the kind of like superior foes that were introduced to are obviously kind of like derived from parodying some of your favorite kind of like ridiculous villains, like the pigeon man and things like that. Like, um, and one of our main characters, like her whole shtick is like, like, you know, toy box toys, like little soldiers and Jack in the box things. And they're gimmicky and fun and a throwback to like fifties and sixties comics. And yeah, in a world where you have these like psychos running around with like laser eyes, what are you going to do with a bunch of pigeons and a jack in the box, right? So this whole book has been about these these like, you know, archaic villains trying to find themselves again. And you know, w- what the team has done here with each of these four issues is each one kind of centered on a a different character from our ragtag bunch as they've gone through this crazy night of escapades, trying to both survive and also stop the stick man. Um, and the, 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 the finale here is absolutely wonderful and well-crafted. Uh, the twists and turns and, you know, who pulls one over on the other. It's, it's, it's what you expect, but done in such an unexpected way. Um, the artwork also from Scott Hepburn and Ian Herring has been amazing from from the beginning. And anyone who's like a fan of Superior Foes or even ah. like, you know, anyone who's even a fan of like Silver Age Batman, you know, like I, I just or, or like oh, you, the Adam you, you, West you caught Batman, me, Joey. You know? That's me. Like, OK, it's fun. And obviously it's a little bit it has like that kind of modern comics like brutality to it like you know there's some hammers involved and things like that but you get some of that that brutalness but the humor and that kind of riff on those characters i think is very evident in the same way that like what what you know superior foes was doing um a couple of years ago as well um i loved it i think it's an amazing amazing time I hope it's not the end of this little universe. It's it's a, a ton of fun and a really great kind of um, outing for Pat and Oswalt and uh, Jordan Blum. Um, but yeah, I also read the Scarlet Witch and everything that we talked about in Bob's Lightning Round and Aaron's book as well. Um, uh, and that's that's really what I've been up to in terms of comics. I don't I, again. I have one book on my very dull Lightning Round this this week. Everything else was kind of kind of taken um oh. i also spent i also spent a, a, a day or two re-watching all three john wick movies uh yeah. so, so that's also what i've been up to uh as well because those movies freaking rule uh but uh um, should i see them i've never seen any of them are you serious what? What? very serious the fuck i'm sorry oh Ooh. bob <laughs> 
They're very good. You should see them. But they're puppies. Do I want to see them puppies die? It's a, look, the puppy's not in the movie for long. Ew, oh, of course. Damn. Wow. Oh, Spoilers. damn. Wow. <laughs> um, terrible, look, Steve. Bob, here's what I'll say. The first one. Jesus. The first one is like, is like small, self-contained, and really, really, I think, well-paced and everything. And then the not second the puppy, one. the movie. The second one, they're like, let's do even crazier stuff. And it doesn't always land, but they commit. And then the third one was like, you know what? Let's go even bigger. And Let's it doesn't always it. land, but they commit, you know? So like, and now we're going to get a lot of commitment, one. right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, those movies are, are really great. And, and uh, Keanu, Keanu is Keanu through these, right? He's not trying to be Bruce Willis or something else. He's, no, he's, he's, kind of he's like, like, he's Keanu Reeves. So he's like in his fifties, <laughs> like when he's running, like you could tell it hurts, you know, like. He's like, I, I shouldn't be running, that. you know, like, it's and you like feel that. If, if Jason Bourne had smoked crack and then like gone and done all the things, it was okay. just like, <laughs> a, uh, well, like yeah. there's a blurb for the DVD box. Hey, yeah. there you go. Jason Bourne on crack. Make it oh, happen. So, so that's what I've been up to. I think it's G rated too. I've never heard of them. Anything G rated today? <laughs> it's like, go with the bit, <laughs> go with the bit. <laughs> like, uh, no, I do believe. So should Keanu Reeves play the Silver Surfer or Galactus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh my Why not gosh. both? Why not? Por qué no los dos? Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you, Eric. I like that. <laughs> I think he should rest his feet. They're reflections of each other. Aww. Uh, he should rest mm. his feet. He's running around in those loafers, and I'm like, I'm Dude, telling that you, man, not be good. There's no support there. Your ankles must be a mess. His, you could t- over hey, the course of the three the films, ladies run around in high heels, guys. Let's let's be over real. Over the course of the three films, like you can see his left leg just like totally buckling, and he's like, I can't yep. do this anymore. Like his oh, knee is just like, like totally crooked. You couldn't. You stole all those weapons. You can't pull into a store and put some rock ports on. I mean, come on. <laughs> That Get fourth movie's support. coming out soon. Well, that's why I watched there. all three of them. Yeah. See, I'm Back heading to... toward watching Ant-Man over the weekend, but now yeah. it's like, it's like I got to watch... Back to uh, back It'll to minor threats though. Back to minor threats though. I will say, Bob, I think I think you would actually really enjoy it. And it's oh, it I sounds like a, a, in, well, incredibly yeah. up my. Eye. I love Patton Oswalt. Love Scott Hepburn's art when he was doing Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So he's got that Captain sort Marvel. of classic but modern twist on classic yeah you know he could he could do and having ian herring on colors yes, helps a ton but like he can do those those super villains in their kind of ridiculous get-ups but they're just scratchy and gritty enough that you could tell they've been hanging out in this bar a bit too long you know <laughs> cool um and the, the stories that they craft for for these four character five characters four characters um, it's great. And of course, like the corollaries to Batman, Superman, the Justice League, you know, the Joker, like Stickman is the Joker, you know, like the it's it's they're very well crafted for the amount of time and space that they have in these issues. I was surprised it was four issues and, and um, I was I was definitely ready for more. Um, then maybe we'll get more minor threats, too. Yeah. Now, this what what company is this image? Dark Horse. Dark Horse, they'll do a trade with four. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They'll do a trade on June 20th. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm writing that down. That's on my list. June 20th, 2023. Yeah, now, it's I, a lot of fun. Th- 
really off the off the beaten path only because I watched it at work today because I was waiting for I don't know FedEx to show up. This Jimmy Kimmel does this mean tweets thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, classic. Um, yeah. So uh, someone mean tweeted Patton Oswalt to say, "Patton Oswalt is what you would get if you buried Rosie O'Donnell in the pet cemetery." Oh, mother. <laughs> And, and he agreed and went, there's a movie pitch right there. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Oh, man. That's really good. Oh, Jesus. I'm excited. We just started um, We just started Parks and Rec, and I've never... Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never... I've, I've seen a couple of episodes here and there. First season and a, first season and a half. Whenever, yeah, wh- whenever yeah. Mark leaves... Mark, I, know, I, I, go, know. Yeah. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. sucks. But I, I have nerves. seen the Patton Oswalt rant video oh, the star wars rant yes, yes. a thousand yeah. times so yeah. i'm very eager to cross that line uh when we get there that's a great show like that, that show is one of those ones that just gets better as you go yeah has everyone seen young adult the diablo cody no no oh you want to see Patton oswalt watch young adult Written by Diablo about, uh, Cody, it, it's Jason Reitman, and she's she's a mess. Talking about Charlize, right? She's is that a young mm-hmm. adult? When are we getting more Atomic Blonde? I don't know, man. Talking about I'm action movies that change yeah. the game, like John Wick or Hancock Two. <laughs> okay, <Wow>. we're moving <laughs> on. What? Anyway, anyway Steve. Anyway, Steve, it's your show. Steve, it's your show. Go. <laughs> It is my show. It's my show now. We all live in it. Yes. Uh, you're in here with me. <laughs> all right. We got an interview to get to, kids. We got we to gotta move oh, along. All right. Um, boy, Joey, if you thought that you didn't read much this week or didn't bring much, I will, well, I will see your amount of yeah. books and raise you, sir. <laughs> To be clear, I was also reading our our guests' books as well. But yes, we'll, well, we'll I, get I there did, down I the line. Well. Uh, Where monsters lie, number one. Oh. This also is from Dark Horse Comics. This comes from Kyle Starks, uh, Pieter Kowalski, Vladimir Popov uh, is the colorist. Haven't you always wondered what slasher monsters, the masked home invasion family, the mindless unkillable monster, the serial killer trapped in a doll? what they do for those couple of years in between their murder sprees. Nobody do now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bob, I'll tell you. They're at Wilmhurst, a gated community in the middle of nowhere where they (laughs) relax, or they try to, until they get the call to go out and kill again. Wow. Now, there's more to this official synopsis. But oddly, it's the stuff me. is not in the first issue, so I'm going to skip it, and I'm going to just do my own. Okay. So you enter this this gated community, this private community, you know, a couple of acres of land or whatever, and you've got your, your Puzzleman killer and your silent Michael Myers-like killer, uh, a ventriloquist dummy manipulating killer, and these three kids go and ask for directions, I guess, and... End up running out of the house. They escape the killers. And then one of the kind of uh, overseers of this place, one of the caretakers, needs to uh, take care of business. And we quickly realize what kind of place this is. But, oh, my, 
there was a fourth kid and right now he is hopping a fence and getting away good for him so what happens when you live in a community of not even just serial killers but like real genuine psychopaths real supernatural killers real mike myers types people and you say did we get them all and one of them just is like um i think so so this is bad news bears for all involved my favorite thing about this this is kyle stark so of course you know there's going to be humor but it is damn funny bob do you remember the movie um behind the mask the leslie vernon movie love that movie yeah. Do you remember the couple that were like hosting them for the night? Yeah. Where, oblivious oh, to everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, th- imagine them owning like a killer commune okay. and basically They're going taking a trailer care of park with serial killers. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And the, but the funniest thing is, is that a lot of these killers are kind of going through existential crises about, who they are and 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 what their gimmick of is Kyle in this world. You gotta you gotta have some stuff going. Yeah, yeah. You know they're wondering if they've chosen the wrong identity, the wrong <laughs> persona, because the clown thing is getting kind of old, or it's not funny oh, anymore. It is an absolute riot. Uh, I'm completely bought in into it. It is a lot of fun. Uh, the artwork is very kind of. Um, like gritty dark if, if dark horse had a house style i think this would be it so um, mignola kind of yeah a little no. bit a little bit more liney than that wow i'm really knocking it out of the park joey fucking help me <laughs> no, no no it's your lightning round you can finish up hold on i'm looking at pages now how can i describe this it's kind of gross and I Rose can't do it. I, people have got a lot of lines drawn on their faces. I don't know. Eric probably knows more about comic book art than I do. I help us, Eric. No, I'm just a writer. It's That's the whole point. Oh, okay. oh what a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Lair Monsters Lie, number one. It's a gorgeous book. Go and check it out. Sold me, um, Steve. You're good to go. I'm, I'm actually I'm googling it now. I just want to take a look. It sounds fantastic, and I gritty covers a lot of bases. I'm gonna go with gritty. I'm trying to think to compare it to something, but I know sometimes people hate it when you do that. It reminds me of uh, it reminds Alan Moore. You, go ahead. The reason why it reminds you of other Dark Horse books is because it's reminiscent of Harrow County. It's reminiscent of kind of Tyler oh. Crook's kind of like sketchy lines. But I think the coloring here is much more vibrant. Yeah, it's got a, like a Kevin O'Neill circa the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, yes. Wow. yes. Oh, oh, couldn't yeah. get the words out of my mouth. Doubly sold, Eric. That was that was that was the line. Yeah. Thank you. And and Steve didn't even give you any of the chaotic names of these murderers, which <laughs> I laughed out loud at the dinner table when I was reading this today. Uh, some of these character names we cannot repeat on the air, but oh. they are hilarious. <laughs> we can say some of them. There's this great moment where the the clown character raises his hand in the quorum and is like, why do I have to sit next to this guy? He's a freak. I don't like him. And, and then the, like, the, the leader of the town is like, 
there are no assigned seats. Like you, you don't have to sit next to this guy. And I just, that's when I knew the tone of this book. And I was yeah. like, I'm in, I am in oh, for the rest yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. So the, the caretaker, one of the caretakers names is Zell. Uh, she's an older lady. And it's just amazing how all of these people that she's taking care of while they're here, they're exasperating. <laughs> they're all up in their own heads, trying to figure themselves out. And they're supposed to be professionals. And there's like there's some kind of um, like annual killer uh, honors or tournament or something coming up. And they're all very concerned that their numbers uh, aren't adding up because it's the killers dinner. you got to get to the Grammys or whatever. Like right? we used to, you know, we used to depend on so and so to really pad the numbers by the end of the year. But ever since he's gotten into lawn care. He doesn't go out as much and you can see him in the background and like his little gardening gear with his stuffed animal bear on his head. And he's just waving like, hi. Wow. It's good. Le- you know, leather face with a little like smiley face apron. Yeah, I can see that. It's good. It's uh, it's I like it. I like it a lot. Um, All right. Now that I've disastered my way through that, let's move on. That, I that listen to awesome. all. Sold <laughs> all of us on your book, Steve. That's I not... appreciate it. Yeah. it may, I'm grabbing this now. I pulled it up as well. Um, so uh, let me sell you so on fun. something else. Uh, sure. Let me sell you on the the new Spotify podcast. This is coming from the people that did Batman Unburied. Uh, this is the Harley and Joker podcast that came mm. out. This is. Uh, let me get the. I should have pulled up the IMDb for this. Harley Quinn and the Joker uh, podcast. Harley Quinn and the Joker Sound Mind. That's it. Uh, it's Christina Ricci playing Harley. No. And uh, Billy Magnuson as the Joker. Oh. Uh, Amy Sedaris as another character. I don't want to say who. Mm. Um, this is... Uh, oh, Justin Hartley plays uh, Bruce Wan. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Wan. Bruce Wan. <laughs> Bruce Wan slash Batman. Oh God! I'm sorry. Let me let me let me start again. Harley no, Quinn, the Joker, sound mine, Spotify original. <laughs> this show is awesome. Anybody that went out there and took my word on Batman Unburied, I urge you to go and listen to this. This is Harley Quinn's origin story, but not the way you think it is. I don't want to give away too much of the story, but it is very much the, the her coming to uh, coming to Arkham dealing a lot with the hierarchy there. Um, There's lots of misogyny. Some of it is overt while other comments are more subtle and just as hurtful. The conditions at Arkham are absolutely deplorable. The people that are in charge of these criminals and these inmates, they don't care The place is a revolving door and Harley can see the writing on the wall. She knows that this place is evil and she's trying to change it from the inside, but no one that's in charge wants to be bothered. You know, her superiors treat her like crap. They talk over her all the time uh, and more. There's also this other angle of the story that her father has cancer and is dying from cancer and he needs this emergency surgery. It is a very expensive surgery. It needs a down payment of an amount of money that Harley does not have. She goes to family, tries to get people to help. No one wants anything to do with her because they, her mother's shadow 
is hanging over her. Her mother is painted in a very specific way uh, in this podcast. And you kind of learn that people have lost respect for the Quins, regardless of everything that Harley has tried to do to become a doctor and, you know, uh, rise to a, a good place in Arkham. And it's all very emotional. Of course, we meet the Joker eventually, uh, played by Magnuson. Joker is very manipulative, as you would expect. But rather than this be a story about Joker kind of wooing Harley over to the other side, it's quite the opposite in that in this story, Harley is manipulating the Joker and several times over. It's not just one event. It's it's more than a few. She is smarter than he is in this story. And it was one of those things I was like, I love to see it. I love how cunning she is to get what she needs uh, out of him and then so on and so forth. I don't want to give away too much. The story moves very quickly. It's only seven episodes. Um, she's Dr. Harleen Quenzel for about 95% of this thing. So minor story spoilers, I guess. This is not Christina Ricci doing an impersonation of Harley from Batman the Animated Series. This is her struggling with working in Arkham while being Dr. Harleen Quinzel, very accomplished uh, person who wants to change things uh, and make things better for the patients. There are other inmates besides the Joker in this that you meet. You get to sit in on therapy sessions with them, which is really cool and lends a lot to the story. Uh, and of course, the production values are through, are through the roof. Everything sounds amazing. Everybody's, uh, you know, very professional. The audio is fantastic. The atmosphere is tremendous. Um, all the screaming and all the stuff going on at Arkham. When you're walking through the halls, you can hear the footsteps. You can hear the closing of doors. You can hear like faint electrical sounds from people um, being treated in other rooms. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I listened to it while I was uh, packing away the house. Uh, didn't take me more than a couple of hours, and it was a great ride all the way through. So uh, if you have access to Spotify and you really enjoyed the Batman Unburied or you're just, you know, curious about this and a fan of, uh, of Harley Quinn, you should go listen to it. Uh, what's his face? Winston Duke's Batman. Way better than the Duke's Bruce Wayne Batman wow. we get in this one. Way, way better. But... I was just about to say, with apologies to Win uh, to uh, Justin Hartley, I'm disappointed for continuity's sake they couldn't keep Winston Duke as Batman. Yeah, uh, I I was I Bruce Wayne is an in, it's an interesting version of Bruce Wayne in this. It very much had me wondering, like obviously he is also Batman, but he's being extremely Bruce Wayne in this podcast, and I think that's intentional. But man, when he wants to like pour on the naivete about Batman, but also defend Batman at the same time, uh, things get interesting. Bruce Wayne gets a little uppity. And uh, there are moments when he really goes to bat for Harley uh, when she's like in the same room as her superiors and they're trying to downplay her contributions to Arkham. And he's, of course, very interested in her methods because he's Batman. And her whole thing is that Batman is the cause of all the crime in Gotham that the masked villains didn't and didn't really show up 
until shortly after he did. Escalation. And so, yeah. you know, is Batman a problem uh, for Gotham and so on and so forth? And so Bruce becomes very interested in it. And it's a, it's a good, it's not that much of a complex story, but it's short. It's seven episodes. They're about anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes a piece. Uh, you can knock this out very quickly. It's highly entertaining all the way through. Christina Ricci is a phenomenal, phenomenal Dr. Harleen Quinzel. She's great. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you ever guys ever hear that uh, Fortnite? It's two weeks, right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I've gotten back into Fortnite. I played Fortnite with uh, my brother-in-law and our friend Jordan and Mr. Jeremy Whitley uh, last night, and we had a blast. I only bring this up because we were mentioning Blade earlier. I got killed by Blade in the game just last (laughs) night. And uh, one of the other kills was I saw it from a distance. There's a hammer in this game. There's an oversized like Harley hammer that if you smash it onto the ground, it will uh, propel you into the air to give you super jumps across the map. And I saw sailing in from over like a mountaintop over the horizon, a Venom uh, riding a giant hammer down. No. And in the middle of the air stopped in front of me. I was just too dazzled by this thing. And he ripped out a Dragon Ball Z Kamehameha and just fireballed my ass into oblivion. (laughs) And it was one of the most amazing video game deaths I have ever encountered. Uh, I just wanted to share that with everyone at home. (laughs) That's my lightning round. The, the podcast sounds very much in the vein of what Stephen Chase did with his Harleen. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Which yeah. captures me right away. All the people you're talking about involved with this. Yeah, this is something. How long is it going to take to listen to? Yeah. How many episodes are up? Seven. It's only seven. They're all out. Get okay. out of town. Nope. You can listen to the whole thing. Nice. Wow. Batman, they were like, we're going to stretch this out. Harleen, they're like, well, we'll drop it all on the same day. It all all came out on Friday, and I threw it in my headphones, and I've listened to the whole thing. Cool. It's it's spectacular. If you you like, you know, very cinematic, atmospheric podcasts with killer sound production and all the sound effects to your heart's desire and, and people doing justice to these characters that you love, um, even just tune in a little bit for Christina Ricci's, uh, you know, portrayal of Harleen, because the stuff with her father in particular is very, very uh, good and very effective. And her going through the motions of what it's like to lose someone that you're so close to and the funeral scene in particular uh, after her father passes away and the the things that people say to you when someone is gone and how they don't really think of what their words can mean um, either in that moment or ever, you know, everything happens for a reason people will tell you and uh, tell you that. Yeah. She's uh, she's kind of had about enough of that. And, you know, she reaches out to people and they're unwilling to help and then they show up anyway. And it's a whole thing. And I, I, Highly recommend it. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, presentation. All right. Lightning rounds are over. 
It is finally time to talk about orphans. Yes. With Eric. Are you ready, sir, for your, your first official Talking Comics interview? I am super excited. I have All been right. looking forward for this for years. Oh. <laughs> Let's dig into this. We start all of our creator interviews off the same way. So I will give you the question of questions. What is your comic book origin story? What made you want to become a comic book creator? I'm not entirely certain I can pinpoint the specific moment when I knew that it was going to be comics. I've kind of always wanted to be a writer. Uh, in college, I was big into short stories. Your uh uh, Ray Bradbury's Harlan Ellison. Uh, I thought that I was going Kill to be a short me, fiction. Me. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a short fiction writer. Uh, and at some point, uh, I picked up a copy of The Authority, the very first trade paperback, oh. had a reprint of the first issue script in the back. And as I was reading through the script, I realized something clicked over and I realized that while I've always loved comics, I think that might've been the first time that the, uh, uh, everything unlocked for me. And I realized that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so it's been, you know, a pursuit of that for the last 20 years on and off. That's fantastic, man. What stories and characters or creators inspired you once you started to get into it? Um, so, so acknowledging that my uh, my biggest influences are all very problematic white men, uh, at least initially. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Authority. Warren Ellis was a big early influence for me. Joss Whedon's another one. Uh, yeah, I know. Break <laughs> <laughs> it up the hard. list. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, I acknowledge this. I think that being aware that these are not necessarily good people uh but you know still those early influences i think you know they need to be acknowledged so they can be reckoned with i think that's a very important thing to do mm -hmm. um more recently i've really enjoyed uh the work of uh you know christopher priest is a writer that i've enjoyed since i was uh a kid and he was writing under the name jim owsley uh, at Marvel and was a, you know, an editor, but then, uh, his black Panther work and, uh, uh, quantum and Woody, as well as, you know, even the, the stuff he did with, with Deathstroke recently has been fantastic. Uh, Ed Brubaker is kind of a perennial, uh, obvious, uh, influence. Uh, who else? Uh, have been really enjoying uh, Chip Zdarsky. He's a writer who really surprised me in that I just assumed he was going to be a dick and fart joke writer because of his <laughs> early work and things like Sex Criminals as well as, you know, uh, the things that he did early on. And then he, he comes out with Spider-Man Life Story and Daredevil and now Batman and just keeps, you know, blowing me away with the depth of, you know, his the complexity of his characters. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Wade is another writer that's kind of been there in the entirety of my my reading existence has had some some book or another out there that I've read and enjoyed. Uh, Have you read uh, Zadarsky's Stillwater or Public Domain? 
I just picked up the, the public domain trade. I know that Stillwater is one that I need to read. Unfortunately, I, I, I canceled my comic, my Comixology Unlimited uh, subscription, so I'm going to have to go and, and buy, buy those issues. Uh, right, and, then, and then I also want to call out, you know, kind of these these writers that have been an influence for me because they're kind of in the cohort of of people that have kind of come into the industry and found various levels of success around the same time as me and have become friends and, and colleagues and, you know, people that I can bounce ideas off of and talk to, people like Matthew Rosenberg, Vita Ayala, Danny Lohr, uh, Rich Duick, David Pepos. A lot of these people have just been you know, great uh, and awesome. You know, they feel like colleagues. They feel like work colleagues. Yeah. yeah. And we, we love all of them. All, all of them, them. yeah. <laughs> As you know. All right, what's it? Let me ask you this. We'll stick with the, uh, the origin story stuff. What is your talking comics origin story? How did you end up here? What, uh, how'd you find us? <laughs> it must have been, it must have been somebody... Uh, tweeted and you know it was it was twitter definitely that's how i found all of you and i i was looking for a good comic book podcast that was very that's great (laughs) (laughs) i mean when i started listening it was it was bobby and steve and stephanie were the oh wow uh, you know with with you know joey popping in occasionally and then you know obviously it's it's evolved quite a bit since then and and you stuck it out all those years. Stuck yeah. it out. Those were the, uh, I remember those were the, the four hour episodes way back when. And even so, like those were, you know, you still managed to go four hours when Bobby was militant about your three minute lightning rounds. <laughs> he said militant. I love it. No, the best, the best we were ever on time was when Mara was hosting because oh. she used to really just scare us with the timer. That was intense. <laughs> But then Steve took over and yeah, loose yeah, time and all over reigns. <laughs> He's like, Bleh. look, I'm gonna be out for like two weeks later this month, so you we'll all see. can have a break from me. We'll It'll be wonderful. Happens. So two 15 minute episodes. Yep. Yeah, Mara in that way was scary because when she sent notes out, they were they were more commands than notes. <laughs> but it, it was helpful. It did get us focused sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look at you now, Eric. You, yeah. You've climbed the ladder. You're all the way here. You're on the show. Can you give our listeners a uh, elevator pitch for, for Orphans? Tell Ooh. us a little bit about the Kickstarter. So so there's there's a lot to unpack here, and I apologize in advance because this is a, a, a story that's near and dear to my heart after living in my head for 10 years before I put it on paper and then another 10 years since. Uh, but the elevator pitch, the pitch that I always use at a convention if someone picks up the book and, and flips through it, is what if Captain America had to give up being a soldier so he became Robin Hood instead? And it's it's really the story of a failed superhuman soldier who realizes that all of the wonderful technology that he has seen around him that is being used to build weapons would be better suited saving lives instead. So he goes about stealing that technology from arms dealers 
and putting it in the hands of people who will use it for good, or so he thinks. And of course, that upsets a lot of very powerful people. And what we see in the book is the consequences of that. Nice. I like that. Let, a me, nice let me just throw something out there. I, I think I read some of them back then, but reading it tonight as a whole piece that is so accomplished as a first work, so that, cinematic, so many, so many threads and 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 tropes we might have seen in the normal way, but they're they're twisted. They're put on their own head a little bit. Thankful you're here, Eric, to, to to make me read the whole thing in one shot the way I did today. Just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, I appreciate that so much. That that means a lot. It is. Uh, I I reread it in advance of. Uh, this Kickstarter. To just give you just a quick little background about the Kickstarter, uh, every January, Kickstarter does something they call Make 100 or Make 100. And and it is, uh, the, the whole purpose is that they invite creators, makers to do a Kickstarter campaign small in nature for 100 of something. So that your total rewards would be 100. And around the same time as I started to think about this and they started sending out their annual reminders about the Make 100 project, uh, all of the things, well, the latest round of things with Comixology and Amazon kind of came to a head. And I saw a lot of people that I know through Comixology uh, being let go and in advance of some further changes to that platform. Now, as an independent creator 10 years ago, I was able to put orphans online with Comixology through their submit program. And that absolutely impacted the trajectory of my career in comics, gave me a platform and an audience that I wouldn't have found if I had just been going to conventions and peddling this book uh, one customer at a time. So I am forever indebted to Comixology for that. And as I said before, this is a book where I'm not entirely certain that it's reflective of my abilities now, but I didn't, I wasn't ready to put it on the shelf forever. Uh, so this kind of gives me an opportunity to, to give the book one last hurrah in its original warts and all form for, for people who like the work that I've done since to check it out. And also for me to, to get, come on, podcasts like this and talk about how important people like John Roberts and Chip Mosier at Comixology were to my uh, evolution as a creator. Here, here. They are well missed at Comixology. We've, we've done entire episodes about what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. But that, that existed in that period where the, it looked like the indie movement was going to be half the marketplace. And you, you look now and they're diminished despite the larger platform they're on. And you wonder, is it equivalent to what movies are, right? There are blockbusters and mini indies, but there's nothing in between. And your, your work could be that in between that should be larger audiences, and it's just now the way the industry has become. What are you thinking? I, I hope that's not true. I hope that, you know, you, you're, we're seeing a lot of, 
well, you know, I don't want to name names with publishers that are very clearly and publicly going through it right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are, I think, going to see a contraction in the number of, of independent publishers that exist in that tier below the big five or the big seven. Um, and that's a shame. Um, and I hope that, you know, there is still a place for good work. Uh, I don't know what the future looks like. I think Kickstarter has been a great option for, for creators on the very extreme end of the, the indie uh, market and the indie uh, scene. Uh, but, you know, those, those mid-tier independent publishers, I really do worry about them. You mentioned um, Comixology Submit for for when Orphans dropped originally, and it's it's wild to think that that program existed, knowing where we are now uh, yeah. in terms of just like a, a space for 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 artists to just really submit to a platform that everybody had access to in terms of purchasing. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. It's a lot of it's. The, the webtoon spaces now for a lot of these very interesting things or webtoons adjacent type places. But yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. it's it, And you know, webtoon is on my bucket list. It's just, I'm going to have to rearrange my brain oh, yeah. uh, to figure out how to write in that space. But it is something that I, I really would like to explore in the coming years uh, yeah. just because, the- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the the scrolling format. I think alone really shifts the storytelling. There there are so many different ways that you can use it that I would imagine it makes you think differently about the writing and about the art, especially. Yeah, what you can do in terms of your pacing and what you have to change in terms of you know how the reader is going to to not just in even not even just in terms of the vertical versus horizontal space that you're you're inhabiting but in terms of of the pacing and and how you control you don't have a page turn anymore so how do you how do you work around that tool you know it's it's just a different set of tools in a very large toolbox now here's when the thing I, uh, I just read the anniversary edition that's part of your kickstarter and read it as a file vertically and it worked very well. There's probably not a lot you'd have to change. And, and, and at one point, because I'm a UFO guy back in the day. I don't, I don't know where I am today. It's a, a whole different thing. I was nine when you thought everything was going on in the world. And so there's a panel in your story where uh, Alexis Quinn is in Russia and there's a there's a, a side to side spread of a whole bunch of fallen trees, and instantly it was it's Tunguska. And I go a page, and here's your panel, and I still had the same surprise I would have side to side or page turn. It still can work. Maybe you need a blank space in between. But I don't hmm. think there's much changes. Your work worked just as well vertically as far as when I read your note at the back that was like, oh man, 10 years later, this is a good book. I was like, it is a good good book. book. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh, I thought the dialogue or whatever, but I was like, no, I, I, it's funny because I, I reread, um, 
I was reading Blacksmith. I read like the first two, three issues, and then I, I, I just life happened um, this past fall. So I did I you caught get married or the, something? What, what? I did get married in the fall. Okay. I missed the last <laughs> couple of issues, um, but you know, I, I caught up with the last two. And between Orphans and 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 Blacksmith, I'm like, Eric has a knack for building these these worlds and these kind of like genre worlds that I kind of want to live in for a while. And I know with orphans, you kind of want to, you want to get this out before you put it on the shelf. But I'm wondering you as a creator, like what is it about the genre or what is it about these kind of stories that like, like what is it about the world building element that, that you lean into as a writer? What, what is that? What is that process like? I, it, it has to be consistent is the first thing. It doesn't matter what the supernatural or science fictional or or metafictional element is. Uh, it, it just has to be consistent. And I kind of, and I'm, I think both of these books, both of the books you mentioned kind of break this rule, but I kind of, I want to, whenever we get to that point where the revelation that this is a science fiction book, it's a superhero book, it's a, a fantasy book whenever we get to that revelation it's really important that everything that came before that revelation still makes sense in light of that revelation if that makes mm -hmm. sense uh to describe it that way um but i really i want i want the reader to buy into this uh whatever the the fantastic element is uh and uh so that's that's really important to me and it's really a focus for me. Um, and I think, you know, seeing how the characters react to the unexpected is also kind of important. Sure. Yeah, Alexis That's... reacts to Flora considering she's got a, a circulatory system filled with chlorophyll. <laughs> He's seen like a her. lot to that point, I guess. But it, it really... I guess because of his own origin story, I don't want to spoil too much. I, I probably already am for those who haven't read it, but it's that by the premise, by the flick, right? If you set it up correctly, everything falls into place. We, we go along with any revelation you'll take from that. And that was, that was really well done. And again, as I said before, as a, if that's your first work, you, you please, <laughs> we've, we've seen a lot of other first work i'm <laughs> uh bob have, you haven't checked out blacksmith have you no i don't think i have no oh, dude you you would love it it's like so there's it's there's werewolves it's so good it's so good i love every moment of that book and the the and it's got that detective vibe too like that's the other thing between reading orphans and this and, and no angel too like there's just like like hard boiled edge to your work that I, I really dig too. Um, it's just the way you play with genre and the way you play with the, the, the worlds you're building. I just, I've always been a fan. So yeah, well, it's really great. Like blacksmith had to be a little bit that I don't know how familiar the, the whole everyone is with, uh, with the Ahoy comics brand, but the, most books by Ahoy, which it's all edited by former Vertigo editors, but one of their one of the things about Ahoy books is they're all supposed to be a little bit funny, and Blacksmith has the dubious distinction of being the least funny book that Ahoy has published, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But I still think that there's... Are you kidding me? Dose for A2 had me on the ground. (laughs) That... That is probably like I should probably have like stopped writing uh, after that joke. That is my crowning achievement. <laughs> I don't know, man. Put, put some pants on. It's time to go to work. Is pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I didn't mean to talk over That's you there. Okay. But like trying to thread a needle between noir and supernatural horror and humor in Blacksmith was uh, that was a challenge and and. Like it, it means a lot that that book, you know, uh, surprise for the listeners, but the volume two of Blacksmith will start ser- serializing in June. Wow. Uh, so uh, it, it worked for a black and white indie book in 2023 that doesn't have zombies in it yet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really nice to get a second volume. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's that's so awesome to hear because again it's the same thing as i was saying before like at the end of orphans when i was rereading it here i was like oh man i'd I'd do more of this and then at the end of blacksmith i was like oh man i hope we get more of this so it's really awesome to hear that we're getting the second volume um eric i'm curious the orphans kickstarter the the revisited is this an as it was presentation or did you give it another pass with fresh eyes uh after having so many years under your belt so one of the things that I had to, uh, one unfortunate thing that happened with this book, rather, is that my laptop was stolen in 2014, and it had the raw lettering files saved locally on it. So I reached out to the colorists and was unable to retrieve the original unlettered colored files because I would, uh, as I point out in that afterward, I would have loved to have gotten it relettered by an actual professional letterer and not me fooling around on Illustrator. (laughs) Um, It's a hard lesson to learn. I I would have liked to have smoothed over the dialogue. There's a couple of historical things that happen in that book that, you know, if you read it as having taken place in 2013, it makes a little bit more sense than it taking place in 2023. Right. Uh, I would have liked to have, you know, and, and the dialogue is a little rough and clunky and, and I think I'm a little bit better with that now. Um, so this is long story short, I was able to retrieve the original print files. I was able to put in a new afterword and new credits pages, and then it's getting the new cover by, by Joe Mulvey and, and Chris Sotomayor. Uh, but other than that, it is the it is the as it was presentation. I do have the black and white files, but to run a Kickstarter to afford a recoloring and relettering wasn't was going to be a, a bigger undertaking than I was able to do with this campaign. Right, man, so much work goes into these things. It's wild. Uh, do you have a favorite character from this story, or like is this something that you want to continue in the future? I would love to do a second volume. In my head, this book was always 10 issues. And Mm. given what the original Kickstarter back in 2012 raised, I was able to afford five of them. Uh, But yes, absolutely, I would love to go back and play in this world again, especially if I can actually use the time jump and tell you what's been going on in the 10 years since this book uh, book was actually written. That Sweet. little green baby will grow up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sprouting awesome. all sorts of things. 
So you, you um, mentioned your dialogue being clunky. I, as an old movie person, I see it as old fashioned in the best way. People say pithy things in the right way, as opposed to naturalistic and both have their merits, but you have characters saying wry, witty, and you, I mentioned the chlorophyll, uh, chlorophyll thing before. It's Howard Hawks' The Thing from The Thing from Another World, 1951, right? The overlapping dialogue, the everyone's got the right thing to say at the right moment. Love it. Loved <laughs> it. It's got really good comedic timing yes. in it, too. I love, uh, I guess, spoilers for the story, but after the explosion, when he lands and he's just like, ow. Ow, twice, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard that in movies before. I could hear it in my head. It was uh, it was a really good sight gag and really good timing. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, Bob, did you have other questions for well, Eric that you is, wanted to it, throw in here? One's just a, just a, just a ridiculous comment because what the heck? You you have you know vast enterprises. You, you're a Mel Brooks fan, I'm thinking. Of course. Okay, so it's engulf and devour vast enterprises. I'm just I'm just linking the two of them together. They're part of the same conglomerate. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it should be. Um, when when you did this originally, is this a was this a Marvel method sort of book, or is this full script? How did you pitch this to your artist? Uh, it was full script. Uh, I found Bronco, uh, which is such a cool name. He's uh, he's a Serbian artist. Um, he and I, we found each other on, I think, a now defunct uh, website called Digital Webbing, which was, which had as part of its, uh, you know, part of its network, a, uh, a, a message board where writers and artists could find each other, both for free work and for paid work. And uh, I really, really was taken with his, his line work. He's gone on to do some, uh, some other work he did solar flare with uh with scout and then drew uh several issues of standstill which is a kickstarter funded book that justin gray of palmiati and gray uh uh wrote and then that's that's been kickstarted so he's found work since i don't know if his availability would be immediate if if we were going to get back together get the band back together so to speak uh but i wrote full script for him uh, I have yet to try the Marvel method. Uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I feel like if I do the Marvel method with a with a with an artist, it would be someone that I could have more frequent and and uh, more frequent communication with than what I do with a typical artist now. Get that entirely and. Um... I will go with this. There's this huge fight scene between two of our characters. I'll, I'll, I'll not spoil. That reminded me so much of John Carpenter's They Live. Are you a fan? I love, I, I yes. Okay. They Live is my, my second favorite Carpenter movie behind Big Trouble in Little China. But oh, I love that one too. Great. <laughs> But but it's just it it just goes on and on and some people might think it excessive. No, the two characters involved are excessive. So the only thing it can be is that, right? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that is a, that was my, again, that was my first big action scene that, that lasted multiple pages. Uh, and so that's a, that's a really, uh, you know, good example. I don't think I was consciously thinking about the, the Keith David, Roddy Piper fight from, from They Live, but, <laughs> but I can see it now. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I, I get. I, I'm pleased, and I guess sorry. I brought it up, but cool. Nope. All right, Bob. You got anything else? No. I think. I, I think we've hit everything I need to do. I got a quick one. some others, and uh, so is Joey. So. Yeah. Eric, thanks for putting this back out as a Kickstarter that now people can revisit this really wonderful work. Yeah. I. I. You know. Just real quick, I want to say the Kickstarter ends on Sunday, uh, because it's the this small make 100 campaign. I didn't do it for a full 30 days. Uh, we're funded. Uh, we're about $200 and change away from hitting uh, as, as of this recording from hitting the, uh, the hardcover stretch goal. Uh, and uh, there's already been a number of other stretch goals unlocked. So everyone will get digital copies of the book as well as uh, copies of the scripts, uh, some process book with some un never before seen illustrations. And some other surprises and then a uh, commentary track. Ooh, sweet. Mm. DVD extras. Love it. Joey, you want to jump in here real quick? I just had a, one last question, which was, um, you know, you said a couple of times that, you know, the, the orphans in particular, you feel like doesn't reflect where you are at now as a writer. And I wonder if you just like talk about that a little bit, like what are the lessons you've learned over the last 10 years and, and where are you now? Um, compared to where you were ten years ago. What a, what a good question, Joey. That Thank is, you. That Thank is you. a damn. That's, I do, so, that's my job. So, I think the characters as they exist. If I was to sit down and write this book now, the characters and as they exist would be pretty much the same. I don't think anyone's a caricature. I think most of these characters are as well realized. Uh, as I would make them now, I might be, but where, where I would, where I think I've improved is some of that characterization would be a little bit more subtle as well as some of the, the plot advancement. Uh, there are some walls of text in the early issues where we're trying to, where I'm trying to set the scene, where I'm trying to establish, you know, that, uh, that, that Quinn is a, failed super soldier and now he works for a private inter interest and the the status quo is this and you know without spoiling too much and again when he meets uh flora for the first time and she kind of joins their team um there's a character introduced in issue two who is the other the fourth member of their little uh, super group. And I think I would have tried to bring him in earlier. So it was more organic. So I think that's what I mean is, uh, there's a lot of clunkiness in the storytelling mechanics. Mm. Um, and I think a little bit, there's not a lot of, like, I think I would have moved some of the text into subtext if I was mm -hmm. writing this now. Hmm. Cool. Now some of that, as you said, you were hoping for 10 and ended up with five issues. Yes. That sort of spread, if you could have spread that out further, it might have taken care of some of that just all by itself. Uh, 
up. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there's, there was definitely a, a, you know, racing against the clock aspect to this. Just making myself a note. One second. Okay. All right, Eric, let me ask you this. Uh, you've probably heard some of our interviews before. Would you like to participate in a fastish five oh, rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. You wake up on an operating table and discover you've <laughs> oh, been Jesus. surgically. Come on, listen. <laughs> you wake up on an operating table and you discover that you've been surgically enhanced with extra normal abilities. What superpowers do you hope to inherit? You can choose as many as you like. Oh, I mean, I would, uh, I would love to just not sleep. I would love to be able to just squeeze eight more hours out of my work day uh, on top of, you know, the day job and the writing. Just that I think would be number one. That's a great answer. I never thought of that before. <laughs> That's a really good answer. Oh, man. All right. The end of the world is nigh. You have to grab your bug out bag and go. What are the top three items you'd keep in your bug out bag? Things you cannot live without. Uh, my, uh, my cell phone, a notebook and, oh, the end of the world. Stop. It is tough. It's tough because, you know, is, am I going to have power? Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I For a little while. Cell phone towers. <laughs> right. They're, they're still going to be, uh, I mean, I just, you know, I'd mostly just want to listen to, to clash records and, and play Pokemon go. So like, what do I need to do that? Um, I think it would be a notebook, a pen, and then the biggest book that I haven't read yet off my bookshelf. Those would be my three. All right. Nice. No All machete. Right. All right. Well, good luck. Yeah, I am just going to hook. I'm going to hook up with, with somebody who is uh, much more capable in that regard than I am. All right. You are a master of disguise. What is your go-to costume to get out of a bind? What do you think you could pull off? Oh, what could I? Uh, well, I am. I'm tall and burly, so I am going to probably. Uh, everyone who knows me well knows that I cannot grow facial hair to save my life. So I'm going with uh, probably uh, like a like Groucho glasses with a mustache and <laughs> a uh, and a and a beanie. No, a, a baseball cap, and then probably a uh, probably a, a Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, oh no sure. <laughs> bring it back <laughs> all right here we go these are rapid fire james bond or atomic blonde uh atomic blonde uh black tie or black ops black ops aston martin or the batmobile batmobile the power to be invisible at will or to understand any language? Any language. Field ops or tech support? Field ops. All right. There you go. We all learned a little bit more about Eric. <laughs> bold. Bold strategies. <laughs> Way to He's handle like, the... Field uh, ops, but I'm going to bring a book. <laughs> 
I have to say, Eric, way to handle the fast five-ish questions because sometimes those are real stumpers and I I wonder if I can get away with them every time I do them and you knocked them out of the park tonight. So thank you for not oh, making yeah. me look like an asshole. Nope, those were great. <laughs> Fantastic. You heard it Start- here, folks. Starting the Fast Five with you're on a surgery table is always a risky <laughs> the, pro- the, proposition. Listen, this is why you hired me, all right? <laughs> all right, well, that's awesome. I, you know, we wish you the best in the few days that you have left. This comes out on Wednesday, so there's wow. still time to get in on the Orphans Kickstarter. You can find links to that Kickstarter in our show notes. Uh, as well as Eric's Twitter stuff. So you've been promoting it quite a bit over there on your feed. So, yes. uh, with apologies, I will go back to just being a smartass about comics after Sunday. Uh, I also want to apologize to the international crowd, uh, specifically folks like Steve in Canada, but the shipping for Kickstarters has become kind of untenable. So the book is only available, the physical book is only available in the US, but I do offer a digital, um, uh, we do offer a digital tier as well for folks uh, internationally who want to check out Orphans. And it will include all of the digital uh, stretch goals. Listen, I got a guy. (laughs) I got a guy, we'll make it happen. The guy is the guy is me. I, I think I've mailed a couple of things to Steve. <laughs> Aaron mailed that print up, I'm sure. <laughs> I found yep. your what is that book? Tumble. Oh, I mailed that to you like six years ago. I still got it, man. <laughs> I still got it. I was so thinking about in, that the other day. It's in safe hands. Don't you worry. It's all packed up so in a are box. We, are we technically smugglers? Yeah, we're we're smugglers. Yeah, bootleggers. Bootlegger. That's it. That makes us sound cool. Comic book speakeasy. (laughs) Um, And I'm and Eric, like I said, I'm really looking forward to Blacksmith coming back in June, and I'll definitely be on that then. Yeah, I I really want to just you know to gush for a moment. This is uh, I get to do my two favorite comic book podcasts this week, and it's kind of a bucket list moment for me. Uh, So I really appreciate. (laughs) <laughs> I really appreciate you guys having me on and let me sit in for the whole show was super cool. Uh, sorry that my, my lightning round books were kind of last minute, but it was, uh, it was super great to get to talk to you guys about this book and, uh, and all my work. And I really appreciate you reading it. And, you know, it means a, a whole hell of a lot that you liked it. Oh yeah, man. That's Our amazing. Pleasure. Thank you. We have to have you back on again. This is definitely yes. a, You'll have a callback, as they say. That's, in that would be great. I would love to come back on uh, while uh, Blacksmith Two is is out in the world during that. Yeah, yeah, Those, let's do it. Yeah, okay, that would be fantastic. I know uh, Bronwyn also read that, so yeah, so she and I will be all over it. All right, well, just uh, let everybody know where they can get in touch with you and what, like what your Twitter handle is, what the Kickstarter is, one more time, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Sure. I think the easiest way to do it is to just check out my my Twitter, which is at Eric Palicki. I'm also er- at Eric Palicki on Instagram. Uh, and then there's a link, pinned tweet, with a link to the Kickstarter there. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again for hanging out with us. This was a pleasure and a long time coming. And uh, just all the best to you, man. 
Uh, don't X the box, hang out, and we're going to grab the files. And then when we come back, we'll do uh, the news and books we're looking forward to. And then we're going to get out of here. So hang Sweet. in there, folks. tonight at midnight man there's a new card tomorrow it's it's 10 o'clock here i'm at my i'm sure your like collection level is at like twenty i'm at 1470 is my collection level dude that's awesome that's pretty good right yeah that's great that's totally that's but i don't have like a lot of the cool cards like i like I don't have Black Bolt, I don't have Black Panther. Like I Black like every sucks. time I click, I know. Every time I click on the <laughs> collector case or whatever, I get like here's some tokens or like here's some credits. I'm like, "Fuck you, man. Just give me a card." And then when I get a card, it's like, <laughs> "Here's this Hulkbuster variant." And I'm like, "I don't yeah. want another Hulkbuster variant." Oh my god, dude. I have so many pixel variants. It's gross. Oh, I hate them. I don't um, like them either. I got I got a pretty solid deck that I've I've landed on. It's my Yeet deck, and uh, <laughs> it's a uh, Devil Dinosaur is the center of that. Devil that Dinosaur deck. rules. Devil Dinosaur. Do you have Moon rules. Girl? Hell yeah, I got Moon Girl. Right, well, you use the two of them together. I know. Let me tell you this deck. Let me tell you this deck. You ready for Go this? Go for it. Yes. Agent Thirteen, Mantis, Quinjet, Collector, Cable, Armor, Super Scroll, Moon Girl, White Queen, Devil Dinosaur. Nick Fury. I'm rocking Onslaught right now, but I think I might change him out. First of all, congratulations on getting uh Super Scroll. That is a extremely rare card that I do Super not Scroll have yet. Slaps. Yeah. You've got all the Fantastic Four in one character. How can you beat that? I know. I have uh Jane Foster, Mighty Thor pinned to my uh token shop right now. I'm yeah. waiting for two hundred more uh tokens. Nice. They really nerfed uh leader yeah week. yeah i had him in one of my decks for a little bit i don't have him i only get him from my nick fury he's all right if you send me screenshots of your collection of your cards i can maybe help you build some other decks if you want yeah that'd be awesome because like all of my decks that i built are like themed decks like i have an uncanny x-men deck that's just x-men and it actually like really rules and i love it a lot but i tried to be like oh let me make an avengers deck the Avengers suck. Aaron will agree with me. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Captain America's all right. So I made a shield deck and, and okay. Captain America's in there. Yeah. Listen, send me send me screenshots of your cards. Just like grab a thing, scroll down, grab a thing, scroll down and send them to me and I will make you a yeah. deck or two. Uh, and, I am at 2,350. Nice. You'll also see that like, like I'm, I'm pretty, I feel like I've played a lot and I feel like I'm pretty high on the collector scale, but like, I don't, they don't give me cards and I'm kind of bummed about it, but it's whatever. Yeah. It's uh it's a random. I was a little pissed when I was getting like leveling way past the, uh, the 50 mark. And then yeah. the collector's caches were just like, here's 50 credits. And I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? No. I keep getting that. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, they 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 cheap out a little bit after you uh, hit the threshold. But anyway, anyway, let's get let's. That was good. That was content. That was good content. I was recording it, so there you go. Um, Let's just get right back into this. Then (laughs) let's do some news.
That's news music. Yep. Big news. James Gunn DC announcement. Wasn't that crazy? You didn't get to talk about it. Do you want to? Do you want to say anything? I'll say what I always say. I'll wait for a trailer. That's what I always say. All right. Everybody, take a shot. Uh, Quinta Brunson and Tyler James Williams will be voicing Hawkman and Hawkgirl in Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special at HBO Max. They're from um, Abbott Elementary, aren't they? Yeah, correct. Oh, man, I've only seen a couple of episodes of that show, but I love it so far. I watched all of season one on the plane. Nice. It was it was, was as amazing. a teacher, as a school teacher. It's it's pretty good. Um, well, she's the main. She's I mean, she's all over the place now, but she's the she's the uh, like the lead character, and I guess Tyler James is the other young uh, male teacher in that, the and one she, that like learns. He's Go a, ahead. the everybody hates Chris guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a kid. Oh wait, whoa, Chris. no, no, yeah. he wasn't yeah. Chris yes. as the kid, was he? Yes, yes, he was. Whoa, man, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> and now he's the, uh, and now he's like the handsome romantic lead on this TV Holy show. Holy shit! I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's totally him. Oh my he god! Just revealed, he just revealed a couple weeks. It was out of the blue that he has Crohn's disease. Wow. Hey, wow. there we go. We got something in common. Like a very out of the blue situation, but yeah. You know who else has Crohn's disease? Everyone's favorite uh, YouTube guy, there, Mr. Beast. Well, he does. He has Crohn's. Yeah, we're uh, we we got we got our Crohn's jackets uh, and everything. Okay. Let me tell you, okay. I'm very grateful oh. that uh, I've been in remission for several years because I've had Crohn's since I was 16, and it is not a good time. I have 20 years of 20 plus years of my life. That were just physical agony. So hooray! Tom Taylor returns to Injustice for a major Superman crossover. I didn't know that Injustice went away. Oh yeah. I guess DC oh, versus Vampires ago. kind of filled that gap. Because how long? It's like... been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Since I think it went away. Uh, like an upcoming. Was like that? that? Didn't it like wrap like that major, like a major, I feel like it wrapped like the major arc or something like that and just sort of kind of went away. Maybe the beginnings of that series were crazy. It was real Steve, good you for remember a while. We back in the tour days where that kid came in and, and got Rob kind of upset was, I, I, I want to read that Injustice Superman where he like kills people. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I remember that. Oh, it was it was one of those wonderful Wednesdays before he went to Reese's and had a couple of cocktails to get over it. I can picture it, though. Uh, So this is uh, uh, DC Comics revealed Adventures of Superman, John Kent, an upcoming six issue miniseries written by Tom Taylor and featuring art by Clayton Henry. That's launching in March 2023 will cross over with the world of injustice. Uh, Taylor said when speaking with DC, Injustice for me is a very troubled time. We had so much fun on that book. Obviously, I was on it for years. I think I was originally hired for 15 chapters, and I wrote over 150. Uh, but there's a lot of injustice that rubs uh, rubs up against me the wrong way. I don't believe Superman, no matter what happens to him, can become that person. 
I don't believe Wonder Woman becomes that person. So for me, it's a really interesting Elseworld and uh, throwing John Kent as um, as sort of that beacon of hope uh, and in a way quite an innocent character, a character who wants the best for the world, throwing him into that world where his father has become a dictator gives us so much more to play with. Uh, he's been talking about this story with his friends for a long time, and he's really looking forward to telling it. That's cool. It was a confusing quote, but it was I, I, I got it. It was very cool. I got there. Look, man, Tom Taylor, let's go. Yep, absolutely. This is cool. Um, I definitely enjoyed those early uh, arcs of Injustice, at least the first uh, the first two or three. No doubt about that. That's cool. Um, so it turns out that if someone says that you're getting a movie or a television show, it all of a sudden piques the interest of people that might not uh, otherwise have gotten a hold of your book. Supergirl World of Tomorrow and Booster Gold collections are selling out after the uh, film and series announcements uh, from James Gunn last week, uh, which no matter how you slice it is a win. I mean, mm-hmm. like comics getting sold it, uh, is, a, is a great thing. So this sold out for taste. As they no, to no. And, you know, and maybe maybe it's not the best representation of one of these characters. Uh, depending on which way you want to go with it, but it is getting books into people's hands and perhaps people that maybe have never touched a comic and, you know, can be turned onto them in one way or another. The one, the one word I took out of that, the, the, the post we have here is collections. Okay. So mm-hmm. people want to read the stories as opposed to scavengers trying to get the first issues and flip them on eBay. Right. Yeah, so that's true. important. That's very important because that's then what you're talking about, Steve. It's about people wanting to read these characters and these stories before the movies, and not in, in all of my local stores. When an announcement like this comes, they start to get the phone calls. Do you have the first issue of so and so? As if no one knows what's going on. Yeah, and this right. is different. This is about reading, and I love that. I, I, I mean, I joked before, but this is about reading the stories, and that that always warms my heart. Right on. Uh, we're getting another season of Hit Monkey, the animated <laughs> series. I, 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 I feel bad. I forgot that this even came out. Yeah. I, this this was on Hulu. Uh, again, it will be on Hulu, and uh, they're doing it. So that's I, that's cool. I've never seen Hit Monkey. I I don't feel one way or the other about it. But maybe now that I know that it's on Hulu. On my uh, Disney Star, I might uh, I might go and check it out. It sounds it sounds intense. I'll say that much. Uh, and then, last but not least, waiting for this to load here. This is my favorite news of the bunch. Here, it's coming from Deadline. Criminal series based on Ed Brubaker's comic books in the works at Amazon Studios. Please and thank you. That is fantastic. Sorry, I just uh, passed out here. I know. The, uh... <laughs> well, here, here, here. Let me let me help you pass out one more time. Details are scarce, but the project, written by Brew Baker, no, who serves as executive producer and showrunner. Here, here's what I'll say about that. Hell to the yes, one hundred percent. However. However, here it comes. I did give I did give Brew Baker's um, 
other Amazon show that he tried to do. Do you remember this? Like maybe three years ago, what he tried that? to do that show with the guy who did uh, uh, Neon Demon, the the Vife, Vife, Vife thing guy. Oh, um, uh, Winding Reffing or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. What was that show called? Oh, my God. I gave it like one episode, and I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever watched Ooh, in my Nick- life. Was it Nicholas? Nicholas Winding Reffin. Yeah, Too yeah, Old yeah, to yeah. Die Young, okay? Starring everyone's yeah, exciting is. actor, Miles Teller. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, and uh, you know, there's some really interesting people in the cast. But it was one of these, like, crime drama pieces, and it was written by Brew Baker. But it was all mood. It was all mood and vibes. Um, so, I, look, I love Brubaker's comics work. He understands that medium so well. I'm assuming he's taken some lessons from from to 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 die to die to young old, right? And uh, <laughs> and because uh, a lot of it had to do with like it was all mood, all atmosphere, and there wasn't a lot of to like really latch on to. Now, of course, that's a little different because I think Criminal, you have this wealth of of content to to pull from and adapt and and transform so yeah i I, look again this is another thing that like the second that trailer drops i will know exactly i will be there i will be there for criminal criminal is one of my like is one of my rushmore books in terms of like things that i love and uh in the in the medium and um i i'm here for it 100 percent so Too Old to Die Young was released on June 14th, 2019 and was written well before that, I would imagine. Yeah. So he might have learned a lot since then. We can <laughs> Too hope. Young Old to Die. That's that's what that is called, right? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, they're Good making show. they're making a criminal series. I'm 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 excited. You have you now have me wary. <laughs> but i'm well, excited nonetheless yeah interweaving saga of several generations of families tied together by the crimes and murders of the past i so, think that's merch talking comics t-shirts that say talking comics wary <laughs> wary we are wary there's a merch in there somewhere all right that's gonna do it for the news at least that's all i've got we got through that pretty fast. Yeah. I feel like this podcast has been like a hundred years long because of all the stuff going on. Ah, what books are we looking forward to gentlemen? Aaron, what is in the pool for you this week? It's actually the pool is shallow this week. Um, (laughs) Just up to the ankles. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe just an inch of water. Uh, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. I guess. I don't know. Secret Invasion 4. Uh, and then there's Bishop War College. I kind of want to see what that's about. I don't know. Uh, and then Static. <laughs> I love how your voice was getting higher. I was like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Um, yeah. And then Static, of course. All right. Why are you... Uh... Why are you wary about the new X book? This You enjoyed Sins of Sinister. Yeah, Doesn't this like, coincide yeah, with it? The, the, the thing is, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a gist of the story because you know they've been going back and forth, you know, between timelines, not timelines, but um, what do you want to call it? Like versions of the X universe. Like I tried yeah. the the Gambit and Storm one that was written by Chris Claremont, and I'm like, nope, nope. 
maybe before everything with, with Krakoa and all that stuff, but this is to the point we were saying before, they, the dynamic has shifted. And so now it's difficult to go back to the kids in the school and the, yeah. So I, I tried that a couple of issues and I was like, I can't, I can't make this work. So I gotta, I gotta check it out and see what the, what the premise is a little bit better than I did before. Well, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants is in the Sins of Sinister universe. Yep. Yep. That Bishop I mean. War College, I'm, I'm ambiguous sure. on. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, I got I gotta check it out. I can't I can't sink the money in before I know exactly where it is. They pull up and they're like in the courtyard playing softball, I'm done. <sighs> Modoc is the new card, Joey. Do I do it? Oh, I don't know. What's Modoc? Uh, you can discard your entire hand. No, what a waste. <laughs> Joey, what are you picking up? Um, know your station number three. It's only Teenage Wasteland. Number three, Secret Invasion number four, Static for sure, Black Panther 14, uh, Storm, Bishop, um, Silver Sprockets got a new kind of docu-comic coming out called The Secret History of Black Punk. I'll probably check that one out. Um, and there's a new image, number one, Monarch, number one. Uh, yeah. Like Eric was saying, you know, you rarely go wrong with an image, number one. So I might check that one out, too. Right on. Uh, Bob, what are you uh, looking at? Oh, Secret Invasion 4 is on my list, too, as well as Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur 3. Namor Unconquered Shores number five finishes up that series. Avengers War Cross Time number two. Poison Ivy number nine, which looks mm. incredible. Mm-hmm. There's also a Love Everlasting trade paperback this week. Ooh. Even though the series continues, it is everlasting, hopefully. And for those who collect physical media, Wakanda Forever comes out Tuesday. Yes. yes yeah, man. I watched it again this weekend. Carolyn just so heartbreaking. That movie is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carolyn. Carolyn was uh watching it with trepidation as we were. She was, she goes, I'm finally I'm stealing myself away and I'm going oh. to watch it now. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and she kept chiming in every now and again. Yeah, one of my colleagues watched it for the first time over the weekend too, and he was like you know, the first 10 minutes, he, you're like, okay, they're dealing with this and, you know, it's very sad and, and we get it. And then the, the credits happen and then they're just like still dealing with it and it never <laughs> stops. Like, and, and he's like, I was surprised that they did that, 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 that movie is just so explicitly and implicitly just like about sadness <laughs> and, 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 and they just like, keep hitting you with like the tragedy of everything in that film and it's just like does not stop um yeah it's uh well you you know my thesis on phase four so like it makes sense that that movie works the way that it does mm-hmm. but whoo <laughs> tina quarta though fantastic yeah i need to find a way to get my mitts on that i want a physical version of that All right, for me, I've got, uh, well, not reading them for another month, but Batman 132, Poison Ivy number nine. Uh, I hope that static Shadows of Dakota number one shows up on the app because that would be wonderful. I would like to read that. Uh, I've also got Daredevil number eight, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants number one, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number three, 
uh gospel i just saw i was gonna dip my toe in but i think it's it's ending with one more issue and then the trade will come out so i might wait for the trade on that one uh there's a new book coming out called the harrower number one that i'm gonna give a shot know your station number three comes out this week little monsters number 10 monarch number one uh secret invasion number four and two graves number four are my books for this week and Bob, you have uh, a little something you'd like to throw in here? A couple of quick ones. One's, one's a plug. If you're in the Huntington, New York area on Thursday the 9th and want to stop by over at Three's Brewing to see the book club about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, that is a happening. Give Three's Brewing a call. Uh, as to the other, um, it's a bit of sad news. Uh, Amy King, who writes as A.S. King, who wrote I Crawl Through It, Glory O'Brien's History of the yeah. Future that we've all loved here, guested with Laza Valhalla. She is ailing. Oh, no. Had a stroke about a week ago. Oh, no, I saw that. working yeah. through some things. If you go over to Kelly Sudeconic's Twitter, you can see the information for the GoFundMes that they're, they're setting up for Ms. King. So take a look over that way. We wish her oh, the best. That's... I saw something on her um, on her Twitter earlier today about um, thanking everyone for reaching out, and I actually didn't have time to research what that was all about. I'd missed that. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to tell Bronwyn about that. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. So one, of our, one of our favorite authors around these parts. Oh, yeah. Big time. That. Big time. A.S. King is wonderful. I highly recommend all of her stuff. Um, anybody else have anything that they want to share? Think they want to get off their chest? Dreams? Aspirations? Nothing? <laughs> All right. Uh, scheduling is going to be a little weird over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be kind of mixing up hosts uh, as I prepare for the move and people have other things they got to do. John is hopefully coming back to the show. Uh, I'm sure Chris will be back relatively soon to regale us with tales about them getting their uh, first tattoo. Yes, they went through with it. It looks awesome. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear about that next time. Beyond that, I think we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics and on Hive also at Talking Comics. And on Instagram at Talking Comics Podcast. Uh, and share, share. was that share? It's like share, share, tell your friends, tell your mom. Yeah, tell share, your tell your friends, Everybody. follow us, promote us, interact with us. Aaron's been really good about keeping up with that sort of thing. Much better than I am with the Twitter account. That's for damn sure. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, go on to Spotify. Go give us five stars. Push us up the rankings on Spotify. It's how people find us. Uh, it's how people get turned on to the show. And it's free. It helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. Beyond that, uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Still the old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Joey? Uh, Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com. <laughs> Aaron? He's making that up. He's literally making that up. Uh, at AJ Amos 70 on Instagram. Uh, I don't remember what John's stuff is. I don't know if he has anything anymore. He, he, 
He usually makes at, a joke. Campbell soup cans with strings. John will tell us hopefully next yes. week where you can get in touch with him. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. Um Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B and uh Chris is at the myth of psyche. There's also a link tree, I think, but I don't remember the address. I'm so sorry. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on the internet. Bob. Jowza. <laughs> Aaron. Peace. And Joey. What's hive? Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. Thank you, Eric, for joining us in this episode. Uh, we look forward to having you on again at a later date, sir. Until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. Thank <laughs> you.